I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 85. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB, where we talk all things reality television that we are watching this week. Uh, we have a great show ahead of you. But before we get into any of that, as we always do on this podcast, we have a few housekeeping notes that we have to get out of the way. First and foremost, wherever you are listening to us, whether that is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your other lovely uh, podcast platforms, uh, go go into our uh, show page and give us a uh, a rating and a review if that's possible on that platform. Uh, we would love to hear back from you. Love to hear what your thoughts are on the show. Uh, we want to get into the algorithm, get more listeners. Uh, but we also, like I just said, want to hear back from you. Want to hear what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and what you want to hear in the future. Yes, and also uh, you can follow us on social media all at again it's MB across platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast uh, and some of our instant thoughts about things that we're watching. Uh, if you want an extra dose of again is MB, you can get that at at, at again is MB on all uh, social media platforms. Also, if you'd like to rep us out in the real world, uh, go over to. Uh, again, it is mb.threadless.com and grab some of our merch. Uh, very reasonably priced merch, I, I think, and they're doing sales all the time, all the time over there. So you can get t-shirts, hoodies, um, blankets, uh, throw pillows, mugs, whatever you can think of. They've probably got it. We've got, I think, nine or ten designs at this point, all made by me. So, um, I, you know, just go support us over there if you got a couple coins laying around and you want to throw them towards your favorite little gay in envy. Yes, and also, uh, if you have a question for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, uh, you can submit that to us across our social media platforms that I mentioned or at gayinisnb at gmail.com. Just be sure to leave your name, leave your question, and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, what are we talking about this week? Well, uh, we're going to be talking about this latest episode of The Traitors, uh, where they got their Robert Frost on and started talking about two paths divulging in a, wo- in a wood, diverting in a wood, you know? Something like that. Something like that. They got a left or right choice and, you know, some of them made the right ones and some of them did not. Wahahaha. Um, <laughs> we're also going to be talking about some of the, uh, you know, the, the the news out there in the reality world. We got a lot of things that that's happening out there. Um, some news stories around, some rumors um, and things of that nature, rumors and nasty as uh, Meredith Marks would say. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that stuff as well. But before we get to any of that, we got to start with Drag Race. Drag Race for this week. Uh, this was a a big new episode of Drag Race. I We'll get to the challenge. I, I think a cool, different challenge that I thought, you know, I think made a lot of sense and, and something they could test out a little bit more, you know, in, in the future in terms of stuff like this. As much as I think... We'll get to, I had some questions on like some of the results, so to speak, and sort of like what they were. They were very much like they, like Rue stated in the beginning that about how broad like the criteria was, and they kind of played with it a little bit, I feel. Yeah. Um, we definitely have some opinions. Yeah. I mean, look, is this a good idea? Sure. Um, do I think maybe they should have had time with, an expert in the doll making field to have like a coaching session maybe in there somewhere. Well, yes. Cause yeah, like probably because some of these things did not, they, they were supposed to make a doll that looked identical 
to them, which I get it. We've got different body types, different skin tones, different all of those sorts of things to take into consideration. But it, it also doesn't appear no they didn't really give a different forms of body type doll to No, other. they did not. They gave the the standard doll shape which is based on Barbie. Um so like we we get that. So right. So there's going to be some variance into what you know, the doll looks like, plus, you know, you're using the same fabric on a human as opposed to a body so or a, a doll. So it's going to look different, right? right? I mean, case in point is uh, Safira's sure. pa- pattern on her dress looked very different on the doll than it did on her. So that, I mean, it's well, not imagine- going to be fully identical. But when... There's some problems. Some of the the makeup looked booger <laughs> sure. on those dolls. But it's like you don't know how to do makeup on a doll because it's a plastic. It's not the same like tools, right? right? Like it's not like and like also like I think they made comments about like well you could have padded the doll. Like what am I going to make like like tiny pantyhose to like then put right tiny couch cushions in like <laughs> tiny can you imagine because <laughs> like the the couches like for barbie's dream house or whatever are just plastic yeah, yeah, so yeah. you could have just plastic rectangles just stuck th- that would have been hilarious i would have cackled at that it also reminds me of, i know this is very niche but anyone who knows what i'm talking about do you know those social media videos where it's like if you're into like cooking stuff on like instagram and stuff like that but it's the people who make the tiny food so yeah. it's it's like the one, and it's like a little tiny little stove, and like it's like it's like it's like you have to learn those skills apparently, and it's yeah. like I I it's it's a very this is not a one episode challenge. This is like a a this is like a mini series level of challenge. Right. And when you have girls that you, you know you go on the drag race, and you may have contestants that have never worked a sewing machine before because it inevitably always happens. But it's like oh, not just that, but you also have to fucking like learn how to make a tiny dress as well. It's crazy. We'll get to it. It was it was an interesting, fun challenge. But I do agree. I was like, oh, this is this might be one of the more difficult challenges they've done, just in terms of. That kind of stuff. I, I swear they've done something like this before. Oh, they did it. Well, they did it for like a mini challenge in like season two, I want to say, where like they had. Okay. The, but it was like you took the RuPaul doll, which was the oh, like, right. was like already like prepackaged doll. And then you like did like basically quick drag on it to make it into some like thing or whatever. That is very different than like this. Right. But and and like I said, I think it's a good quote unquote idea it needs wood shopping yeah i agree so we come back into the workroom after a mandatory meetings elimination obviously we're very sad about that i thought amanda like i said i thought amanda brought like a great fire to the season and great character i agree but i also feel like she would have been put through a meat grinder with la roach oh my god but isn't that what you want Kind of, not when you love somebody. I get it, but like, well, but like, if they knew what the game was, right? Like, I like Morphine makes a comment later when they announce Law as like the guest judge being like, I want him to like read me, to be honest, because like that's iconic. Like, right, but like, also, you, you, you say that until he starts reading you down, right? And like, going, hey, this art that you've spent your entire life working on it's shit you should give up yeah go home well okay well do we want to touch on it now 
we'll, we'll touch on it right now. Um, there was a lot of discussion from this episode that I am fully in, in tune with. I don't know what your thoughts are, but like, they need to make law a permanent judge. Oh, yes. Law is amazing. Because I'm sorry. Bring back not again it's not meanness it's not like oh i want them to be mean right it's like it's not that but it's like nowadays it's like everyone's so i'm everyone's a snowflake and they're so sad like like you can fucking tell someone they look ugly i'm sorry it's a fucking competition about someone's drag like you like yeah you you know what i'm saying well i mean it's like they did in canada season one what was that guy's name oh 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 what is oh my god what is got literally run off the judges panel what is his name oh god he's he's a distant memory now but like he's pretty yeah he was he was very pretty and he was and you know he was very nice in terms of like the small times we saw him on the u.s season but that was also like like sorry to that man but here's the thing (laughs) i thought i think that was a problem because and i think i forgot where we found this out but it's like people behind the scenes on that season of canada when they were just trying stuff out were like you have to be the heart like was telling them be mean to them and it's like you don't tell someone who isn't naturally has the ability to do that to do that they should have made brooklyn the mean one right or something well i mean here's the thing brooklyn has more privilege than the other or or make um yeah brad wasn't on yet right no it wasn't oh my god why don't i remember i blanked out of both their names but i like the other the female judge tracy uh, no, oh, no, the one from the first season. Oh my god, why can't I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up because but, I am gonna... but they should have made um, Brooklyn the mean one because she is white. Sure, and also a drag queen. So like, the... like she's she's a drag queen, but she's also a cis man, right? So like, she has more privilege than the black queer man and the black woman yeah who i do not know is queer or not jeffrey boyer chapman yes. was thinking of, and then stacy mckenzie was the yes. yeah stacy was great she was why great. didn't i remember her name but it's like law like in the case of law roach law roach does that did that role on legendary great yeah did that like and it's like and he admitted when he was wrong. Yeah. When Kiki Palmer read him down, <laughs> he said she ate. Right. Iconic moment. Yeah. And Santino Rice, I think, served a great role on, like, the early seasons of Drag Race. And when he was out of his mind wrong on something, you would also have the queens tell him, you are fucking wrong on this. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's that, to me, it's just, like, natural in terms of the show. And it's, like, you can't just be, like, you can't pussyfoot around with people. Yeah. And it's like... You, well, and also, like, bring back the days of having experts. Right. Like, like Loth fits a similar category as um, Carson does. Right, in terms of fashion uh, and, and, and stuff like Carson that. Carson is an expert, so I will give him that. But, like, what role does Ross fit? No, nothing. Like, but it's like, so instead bring in Nicole Byer to fit the Ross role yeah, and then switch between Carson and law. And like, we got a good, a good panel there and we have TS Madison in there too. Yeah. Like good swap between those, those four people and have them rotating in and out. Fabulous 
panel. Right. Fabulous right there. Um, the ladies uh, congratulate the winning team. Uh, they acknowledge that they kind of underestimated them in terms of everything. Dawn then goes, I'm happy you guys all have a quarter of a win now. And then Geneva goes, well, that's more than you, Dawn. So, and I will <laughs> say, I, I realized that th- this episode, in, in retrospect, because spoiler alert, she's not going to be here going forward. But I actually really like Geneva in terms of the banter yeah. in the workroom. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's kind of similar with like the mandatory meeting stuff. It's like she is a good you need someone who can go back, you know, with you and sort of like take a punch and then give a punch and yeah. sort of like, you know, I thought Geneva while I think was on her ninth life, so to speak, like girl did very well in that regard. When she when they said step your pussy up, she said, Okay, that means I have nine lives. Yeah. Exactly. Kitty's got nine lives. <laughs> and they always do a split. So <laughs> Every episode she was in, she did a split. Did you realize that? Yeah, it was like, okay. Wild. Um, uh, Morphine uh, brings up the drama. Like Kyle Richards. Yeah, the drama that was happening untucked with uh, Q and Tsunami over the whole who should go home and why question. And Q goes, I mean, we had to say a name and it wasn't said in Malice. And Tsunami goes, I mean, we had to say a name and you said two, but I'm not going to hold you. (laughs) Which I said it at the time. I fully agreed. Like, it's like, okay, you can't, like, Tsunami just, like, caught one for the side for no reason. Like, Honestly. Um, so, but I did like what Tsunami said in her confessional about, do I think she was right in saying my name? No. But will I take the note and see if there's truth in it? Yes, because I'm a smart bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was such a great way to put that. I was just like, I'm not going to let it be like, you know, because also, the you know, you have the ability to sort of like, once you get, have something get in your head, that's the storyline where you then spiral and that's when you end up going home. And so... You know, but also like I do think I really like Tsunami and like I think both her I worry because I think both her and Morphine are being very under edited in certain ways. Yeah. Like in terms of like they're really I don't think either of them have gotten a critique that was like, you know, just from being in the top and like, you know. Just like from a like last week, because they was like they had a team that was one, so everyone else got critiques. But right. like, they really haven't gotten their sort of like moment to be like, oh, you're doing really great. And I think they've had chances to be in that where they could have. Sure, I've been a, personally a little underwhelmed by Tsunami because I expected her to be at the front of the pack. Sure, and she's kind of mid for me like she's not bad at all there's a couple looks that like this week i didn't like at all um her entrance look i didn't really like at all really either Mm. um there's been a couple looks here and there that i just thought were not great um but there's been other um, really amazing looks i feel like she has a really similar energy to a naomi smalls like she holds herself in that yeah. Bitch, I am Naomi Campbell. What are you going to say to me? She has, kind a, of she air. has an effortlessness. Yes. Like. There's like this, just the way she glides down the runway is fabulous. Um, but yeah, some of her looks I haven't really enjoyed. Um, but you know, that's going to happen with every queen is going to have somebody out there that doesn't really like all their looks. And that's fine. That yeah. doesn't mean she's bad. That just means she hasn't resonated with me this season. And that's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think like we've seen. I feel like we're in a pack where it's like 
there seems to be like six people that are like the yeah. possible people and then everyone else is like either like not being showcased or like getting like yeah. you know and that kind of inevitably happens on drag race but like you know i would have liked to see some people and not just her i think morphine as well like is in that category where it's just like i i feel like you're really great and i just want to see I feel like Morphine's getting a better edit than Tsunami, though. Definitely in the confessionals. Yeah. She's getting more focused in that regard. I feel but. like um, um, Morphine really has the possibility to take over as the narrator of the scene. Because it was Amanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Morphine could easily step into that narrator of the season role. Um, which you always need. Anybody who's new to reality television... You need a narrator. And for you want to be the narrator. Like, yes, I because feel. that makes you the iconic queen. Yeah. That makes you the queen that people associate with that season. Who is the iconic queen for season five? It's Alyssa Edwards because we always saw her confessionals. Yeah. That's that's who makes season five for me. Period. End of story. Like there's a, like a door is season six well really it's adore and laganja but that feud sure is is season six that's it you know willem is season four we all know willem is season four <laughs> yeah end of story like there's the iconic queen it's the, always the narrator yeah i agree uh magami says at one point playing who are you gonna pick on now that amanda is gone and everyone starts laughing playing then tells her you know what like we're turning a new leaf and i'm like okay so this is it's definitely an attempt, like, that's happening. I don't know if it's the most... It reads very, like, um, unearned to me. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to the mirror Ugh. conversation. But, like, I don't... I wa we watched um, Plain Jane did a video on YouTube with uh, Mistress Isabel Brooks, which I thought was really funny. And I also thought, like, was as shady and mean as it was. On, like, she was still shady and mean, but, like was more humorous on Plain Jane's part, and I feel like the humor aspect is not coming through on the show as much as it might elsewhere. Maybe. I thought on that video with Mistress, it went on too long and therefore stopped being funny. Sure. <laughs> it, <laughs> like is like just, a, it is like a 30-minute video. It's like, come on. Like, we get it. We get the joke. We get that y'all are just trying not to laugh at each other. Right. Okay. This but, could have been a tight well, five. But I think, like, it's better to just be, like, I it like I'm in I clearly am making like fun shady comments intentionally to be as funny and like I'm not serious right it, right as opposed to here where it, she kind of plays it off later as just like it's my natural human nature to do this and I'm like that doesn't seem correct we'll get to it right when she talks about like her family story well she tried like, to turn it into a tragedy mirror moment and I'm like girl. <laughs> You're, you're, I'm the bitch of the season. Can't also be your tragedy beer, but like pick a lane. Right. Um, they return to the workroom the next day. Um, they're all behind, uh, around the table and plain makes a comment like morphine. I just want to say you're so much more than a BBL making fun of the Michelle comment. Right. And then they just end up all talking about like their different, like plastic surgeries, who has stuff, who doesn't have stuff. And then at one point plain goes, I'll say this is the season of lip fillers, but nobody here is a filler. And it was, a, it was so funny how the ladies were like, Oh, wait, that's actually... Oh, okay, so there was no... Well, it was, it was weird right. because at first they go, oh, wait, was that shady? Was yeah. that not shady? <laughs> what was what was played saying? Yeah. I don't... Okay. Oh, I don't that was you. She's like, oh, that was you attempting. Okay. Bitch, you tried. Okay. <laughs> a, a for forced. effort. 
but you know. Um, so RuPaul comes into the workroom and they do their mini challenge where they invite the guest uh, Charo to do a flamenco dance contest. Uh, I love Charo. Charo's like really. I mean, when you think about people who are genuinely timeless, I feel like she oh, yeah. is in that realm. She hey, looks- and look, they timed this to air the same week that Beverly Hills did the flamenco dance. And <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, is this just what's what's happening here? Mm-hmm. What? What? It was okay. definitely a flashback. I feel like Charo would have been better there. Like, yes. I, I feel like, um, but so they and they bring in these two dancers, Alfredo and Tiago. I forgot which one is which, but like one of them was I'm we talk talk about fillers. Like it's like <laughs> beat the hell. Holy shit. Have you have you heard of that movie that's coming out that's got um the girl that played uh Sabrina in the the Netflix Sabrina? Yo, that's like a slasher movie yes. it's like i think it's called like slasher flick or something like that but okay. he's got that just creepy doll plastic face mask on that's what this looked like yeah, yeah, yeah. this looked like uh, you went to the halloween store and got a hard plastic face <laughs> mask and just flopped it on your head and then made it gay very gay very very gay Oh God! So they all do, like go one by one and, and do their dance. It was it was really fun. Um, Plasma almost gets dropped at one point by one of the dancers. Yeah, because uh, the yeah. well, she tried to do a dip and he wasn't prepared for it. Yeah, and it's like that's still a man. <laughs> <laughs> she at the confessional. She's like, way to ruin my confidence. I you know ruined the illusion of me being this dainty little woman. <laughs> oh man! But tsunami ends up winning, uh, and she like of all the she wins because I, I guess it was sponsored by like the spain tourism board or something like that so they got whole fucking nations now sponsoring <laughs> drag race and so she wins a trip to spain which is like the craziest prize for a mini challenge ever but also spoiler alert she can't go yeah tsunami clarified on her twitter that she couldn't accept it because she's a daca recipient so she can't like leave the country which is fucking bullshit like like we don't get political on here but like fucking fix daca this yeah, is bullshit that's crazy but she wanted she did say that she was going to give it to hershey lacorte and wow literally was like yeah we're transferring the prize to hershey so that's nice yeah um so then they uh introduced the maxi challenge and this is like what we talked about before you have to create your own doll based on your drag persona and you have to make two matching looks one for yourself and one for your doll rue makes the point to say that it's a design branding and storytelling challenge so that, Which goes out the window the second they hit the runway. Right. <laughs> the second a second plain Jane makes a step onto the runway and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. We'll get to it. Like, I, And I don't hate plain Jane as much as others. But, like, I was like, I'm over it. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> like, um, Ru, And then Ruo tells them the guest judge being Law Roach and they're all excited but also nervous. Um, everyone runs and grabs fabric and start to work. And Geneva and Plain both want this, like, red sort of, like, um, like, like very dark red fabric, but Geneva ends up getting it. And so they kind of, are, but they're doing the sort of like jokingly stuff stuff. I will say later when we get to it, when I, I was understandably pissed for plane when Geneva at the last minute said, I'm not using this fabric. <laughs> it it would have fucking annoyed the fuck out of me. Well, I just love that. Neither of them used the red, and then they both picked the same person's fabric to steal from. But also a color that, like, uh, not you know, if we're talking about, like, branding, right? 
a color that I don't think really represents either of their brands, right? Oh. Like, you know, you know, because what Geneva was starting with definitely seemed more, you know, traditional Latina sort of like sexy, you know, you know, style. And then Plain Jane, assumedly, is Russian. We haven't seen it. But like, at least in terms of like, like generic what, presentation. What but, is Plain Jane's brand? I don't fucking know. Apparently it's aquatic now because that's a thing. I don't. I mean, she said that she like that she never really done this before, so it's like a whether they'll get it. But it, like, we'll get to it when they when they get on the run. Uh, it yeah. Um, but so plane hates so the pl- fabric plane ends up getting though is like very tacky, and uh, and she was like, I can't even put this on my body. Like, I, it's not gonna work. Which I do agree with. It was some like green, like sort of like weird, like like flora. It, it looked terrible. So she then decides that she has to get fabric from someone else. And her going up to Geneva Station, going sister. Which she the fact the amount of time she says sister this episode drink every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. That's called alcohol poisoning. Goes, what are you up to over here? You making another cute little bodysuit? <laughs> and Geneva goes, No, I'm making a gown. And and uh, Blaine goes. Well, that's ambitious for someone who doesn't necessarily know how to sew. And Plasma goes, here it is. It's like that, that, you know, it lasted for like, what, five minutes. Great. The other side of that leaf is the same leaf. Yeah. Geneva goes, are you finally going to put the tits away? Or are you still going to rely on the body? And Blaine goes, don't worry what I'm doing, sister. And Geneva goes, well, then don't worry about what I'm doing. Go back to your station. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Geneva's great. She can banter really well. I will say it's only going to aid, like I said, spoil, like we said, it's spoiled Geneva going home. It's really only going to aid to plain Jane's ego that she's taken out two people in a row Ugh. who have come for her the most. Um, yeah. So she go eventually though gets up to plasma. He's like, "Can I have a yard?" And plasma's like focused on the, the uh, sewing machine. She's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And she definitely takes way more than a yard. She takes like three or four yards of this fabric. I mean, sure, plasma had the entire bolt, so it was fine. Yeah, but like, come on. Yeah, um, Safira is helping Maya a lot because Maya doesn't know how to sew, and so Safira is helping her do her pat. It seems like uh, I mean. From all that they were showed, like, up to the point where she had the full bodysuit without the cape, like, and so, like, she was just like, I'm just going to help her. And I, immediately I was like, okay, they're gonna, definitely going to, like, play <sighs> the thing of Safira's not managing her time or whatever, which it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, that happened, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, did it? I th- I, it? It definitely, I think it played into... What happened? Sure. It did play into her mindset, maybe. So yes, that, more, that's what I mean. Yeah, more than anything. Nymphia is sitting with Plasma, and she's... <laughs> I love that Nymphia is still trying to do this, like, sort of, like... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Like, came out in the last sewing challenge with not just the winning look, but, like, one of the best drag race design looks of all time <laughs> and then was like... Which I think the the one that won this week blew that out of the water, oh, personally. Think- I don't agree. I still think it was, really. I think Nymphia's was the be- was better in the. If we're talking about the tie look, I think the tie look was better than this. But that's, I, I, I don't. I think Q's was better. Sure. Um, but she's sitting with Plaza. She goes, "I need inspiration," and she goes, "How about like banana nut? What? What does that mean? <laughs> like, what, like, but what? <laughs> Bananas and nut in sure. my butt? <laughs> what?" <laughs> And then she's like, or banana bubble tea edition. And Plasma goes, is there an edition that you do that isn't banana? 
know? Have you met? Like, what? Well, here's the thing. I much in like with like, I I was frustrated also with like the like with morphine later trying to like hide her ass in certain ways. I do find it hard to like critique someone when the challenge is about branding and your like personal like brand storyline. Then like yeah, like I'm like yeah, I want Nymphia to do something other than like yellow banana. But like yeah, well it's weird because they always they always seem to do the branding challenge the week that someone is is wearing out the welcome of their brand. Yeah. It always seems to happen that way. And then inevitably someone will do their brand that they've been called out for and then get yelled at on the runway for doing it. That didn't happen this year for some reason. No. Um, she's like, I'm just really struggling on plastic because you can't even keep it with a straight face when you say that. Like you just like you like do, do it for another challenge. Like do it for another challenge that we haven't done yet. Like come on, Nipia literally like side eyes straight to the camera. It, it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god. At one point, morphine because she's getting like she's started with like a bathing suit thing, but she's just like, how am I gonna do this without like, not showing my ass? Which it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, but that should like it's branding. Right. So show your ass and plane then goes you should be more concerned and then she stops herself and she's like no i'm not gonna say it and morphine goes no bitch say it like if you're gonna <laughs> say it say it and then she goes you should be more concerned about doing it without showing your stomach i was like no plane was right to stop herself bitch uh, uh, that's the, that's some gutter behavior <laughs> It is. I just, I'm, mm, I'm yeah. tired. So, like I said, Geneva's look is just not working. So, at the last minute, she's like, I just need to make another look. And they're like, what? You're making another look? Just, like, after wasting all that time. And so, she grabs more plasmas, like, blue lycra stuff. And so, it's like, oh, shit, we're going to have three girls with the same fabric choice on this runway. Also... Well, no, we'll wait till we get to the runway because I have comments. Oh, about like the comparing comparing of the two or of the three. Eh, yeah, sure, but that's not what I'm talking about. Continue. Sure. Um, then they come back the next day in the workroom and they're getting ready uh, to go out into the runway and they they're doing the tragedy mirror segment. They start talking about like playing with dolls as a kid and like what everyone's sort of experience with that is. Plasma then tells them, "Yeah, when I was three, I went as Dorothy for Halloween," and they show like the little photo of it. And then Plasma has in the confessional the shoes that she had wore at three years old, the red slippers. She's like, and I. She was like, my mom packed them in my suitcase. Bullshit. You, you brought those. those. You, you're Rachel Berry ass, like, sort of. <laughs> I bet you have a sheet of gold star stickers in your luggage somewhere. Yeah. It was the biggest acting gig of your life at three years old. Honestly. In your mind. Well, uh, speaking of the, the, the tragedy beer, like, let's talk about it. Did you play with dolls as a child? I know I did. I wasn't able to. So I, I literally, I think I've told you this story before. I love my father and this is nothing against my father. And my father was also very liberal. So he literally, it's so weird. He would have been accepting. It's just the difference of time. Yeah. And, but like I, so I was, when I was younger, my favorite band, when everyone else was in, uh, into like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, I really loved this band called S Club 7, which was a UK band, but they were also popular in America. And my favorite of the group was uh, Tina. And we were in Target one day and I saw that they had S Club 7 dolls and I wanted a Tina doll, not because I like dolls, but because I like this particular doll. 
right? Of this person right. that I liked. And my dad basically told me that no, because boys don't play with dolls. And it was, but that's, it wasn't like a homophobic, like it was that mm-hmm. the stereo, we placed the stereotype on like what gendered items people can play with. Right. I, I had a shit ton of action figures that were hand-me-downs from my older brothers. I had probably every Batman you could think of. Yeah. And they were always all all Batman. Wow. Um, but there was, I think, like 30 or 40 varieties of Batman. I just played dolls with those. Mm. And they were dudes. So, like, well, that's the thing. It's so weird that it's like if you dress if you dress up like a, in a certain, way, it's still a doll. I think I also had like a GI Joe doll. But I was like, I- I'm sorry, I was a child, and them them action figures was fucking. Yeah, I, I-, I don't know about y'all, <laughs> but those action figures was fucking and grinded and hopping up on things they shouldn't have been hopping up on. I'm just saying. Yeah, like they wasn't protecting nobody. I would do what I would do. <laughs> they were protecting something else. They were protecting their own brains. Yeah. And that's all. Um, playing the... Oh, my... But as everyone's like... it's it, it was probably editing. But, like, everyone's talking about, like, their moments with, like, dolls or whatever. Plane just goes, my dad took my dolls away and said that only nasty, disgraceful faggots play with dolls. <laughs> it's like, okay, bring the mood down. Um, and... <laughs> It, it was so sudden. It was just like, oh, my. and also we're just dropping the full F slur on on MTV. Cool. Um, <laughs> didn't censor it, which nope. I'm fine. I don't care. But like, you know, um, so Plain describes like sort of the upbringing because her dad was a Russian and Jewish immigrant. And so, you know, she's like, Russia is a very homophobic country. So I don't really blame him necessarily. Like that's part of the like what's he was raised in. Um, but that sort of talks about the strain because of that. And Plain says, I feel like the way that I have such a critical eye for drag and why I'm so harsh is because I'm so acutely aware of how they see drag because they don't value it at all. No. It, it was way too late. I'm sorry. Maybe this is true. I don't know. It could be, but it's like, it was so well worded. <laughs> The, it's like you you just had one conversation with Safira last episode and now you have your full therapy story right like that's not how that works it's not it's not I just I, I call bullshit sure and I feel very bad for you for your upbringing and don't get me wrong and yes right. upbringings like do shape absolutely they do people but it's like I think you just want to be a reality but I think star. maybe you're just a cunt and that's okay or, yeah like that's just I mean that's what it is like Come on. It's it's not that, like... I, maybe it is. Again, I don't want to judge people, but... It's, oh, I'm a judge. I just don't feel it's that deep. Um, but Tsunami then asked her about, like, her strategy with, like, immunity and how if she's going to play it. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm good today. Like, sort of, like, when I look out at everybody, like, that's where I kind of judge it. She, but she, and she goes, do you know who I think might be considering using their potion today? Safira. But who knows? And I don't even know if... I mean, they play it as if Safira, like, heard this, basically. Well, and what's dumb, though, is it's, like, Plain is the only other person. Like, it's Plain and Safira that have potions. So if Plain is saying this, it's Safira. Sure. Like, why are you whispering it? <laughs> I know, right? That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's crazy. But like, yeah, and so, but Safira is doubting herself. She was like, 
at a certain point, she was like planning to make like four pieces or whatever for this like look, including like this big like opera coat because mm-hmm. she had already done that before and it's kind of part of her brand. Um, but then she ended up scrapping it because she didn't have enough time. And so we'll get to it. But it's like I just think she like I love what Crystal Method said on the um, pit stop where it's just like look around the room. Are there two people that look worse than you? Then don't drink it. Yeah. Well, and and. It was a it was a perfect storm, right? Because she was worried about wasting her time with helping um, Maya. Maya with her look, and then she did end up wasting her time and didn't do the her look to her standard. So she was already looking down on what she had made, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And then she overhears this from Plain, right? So like it's. Girl, it's not an inner saboteur. That is an outer saboteur. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Plane is not inside you. Well, I mean, she may be, but, you know, we don't know this, right? Right. She's, she is an other person. That is an outer saboteur. Sa- saboteur? Saboteur. Saboteur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God, I don't know what that accent is. I don't either, but it was a lot. Um, Rue walks the runway. Uh, guest judge, like we mentioned, is Law Roach, and the category is Welcome to the Dollhouse. Um, I will go through the looks. I will say, I just love my favorite part of like they they love to really like emphasize in the edit who's in the top and who's in the bottom, and any challenge by just like the way they cut to the judges. The way the judges would just like at random moments just be like like frowning and it was like for not like the most like necessary reason Mm -hmm. and it was like oh so they're in the bottom cool (laughs) it was so obvious it was clearly like just b-roll that was spliced in oh yeah 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 it's probably before they even went out to run it's like smile laugh (laughs) and then (laughs) give me happy reactions give me angry reactions give me confused yeah uh, let's go through all of the looks and all of the dolls. So the first one was Tsunami Muse, and she was Fashion Week edition. Um, I th- uh, okay. I'll say this: when she there was a shot when they were in the workroom getting uh, it done, when she was in the pants, and I was like, "Oh, those are good pants." Oh yeah, the pants are great. I love the pants. I don't love the top. I thought I th- hate the big fucking pink bow. It's. I thought it was kind of unnecessary, but I wish she would have just like. I thought she would have went, I wish she would have just went more true fashion with it. It felt like the bow was like, I need this extra bit. And it's that I don't think is necessary. Like, yeah. And also the doll looks booger. Yeah. Not the great. It's just the tailoring's not right. Like the pants look great. And the fact that she made gloves, like, holy shit. Yeah. But like the, that top, it needs a dart there on the side to shape around the chest. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, why does this, why does the makeup make her look bored or angry? Sure. Bored and angry. Constipated, (laughs) maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Something. (laughs) We'll get to, uh, Maya's, we'll get to later. Her doll was like going to fight somebody (laughs) the way it was painted. But no, I think like it's an interesting concept that I think she should have just leaned more. And I also think she went very literal with like, this would be what a doll would wear. I mean, and I it, guess, and I was like, I don't think you need to do that. It, yeah, it was less that it was less that this was a doll of tsunami, 
Yeah. And more that she was the life-size version of the doll. Right. Which I think is the opposite of the challenge. Also, just do Tyra Banks in life-size. Right. If you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, just do that. Uh, then we have Safira Cristal with the Grand Dame Diva Metropolitan Opera Edition. I do think the pattern looks better on the doll than it does on her. Yeah. It actually, like, sort of, like, creates a silhouette in a way, which mm-hmm. is interesting. I don't, I don't love the hair on the doll. I actually really do like the hair on the doll because it's like this weird like juxtaposition between the hair and the elegance of the gown. Sure. But I don't know what the, I feel like she was trying to do something and it just ended because the, the hairs don't match. Right. Also, I need her to mail order in a new titty bib because that I just I can't do the Fisher Price by first titty bib. I think they look better here than they I, did. I think it's still obviously small on her chest. Yeah, slightly. Um, but again, perfectly serviceable. N- yeah. In nowhere near the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we have Plasma with the Passenger on the Pacific edition. I actually really like this look. I thought it was well done. Like, I don't think it was a poor look, so to speak. I, I think she could have been safe. The, the stuff with the head scarf falling yeah. off was annoying. And I, yeah. And at a certain point, I was like, she should have just, like, not fucked with it after that. Yeah, like, she should have just left it. Yeah. Um, I think the makeup on the doll looks great. Yeah, I would say it looks good. I love the, what did she say? The thing in her thing about like, it has retractable eyebrows just for Michelle Visage or whatever. That was, <laughs> and Michelle cracked up at that one. But like, they also were saying later that her jokes were a little too like forced. Like they were a little too like. I think that's more like her shtick. Her shtick is that, you know, that waka 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 kind of yeah. joke. So that's part of the branding. Yeah. Like that's that's her. It's that like mid-century sort of aesthetic on humor. Yeah. So I I don't know why they're mad. This is a branding challenge and she branded it perfectly. Right. So then we have Plain Jane with the aquatic edition. I I here's the thing. This was definitely safe. It has a nice silhouette. Uh-huh. I was just so confused why they thought this was like groundbreaking. <laughs> like, like honestly, it was some rhinestone tape put on some stretch velvet. Well, that you pointed like that's you made the point to put out. It's not like she even like particularly rhinestone. It's like the strips. Like the, it's the strips of adhesive. Yeah, which Ma'am. is again, it looks good, but it's like, did you see there was someone tweet being like, don't tell me this was the most, don't tell me you can't say that this is the most iconic thing you've ever seen. And someone was like, girl, it's like, I've seen this in the club. Like how many times from Queens? Like this is like the look that you see on a queen when you're like starting to consider that maybe they could be on drag race. Yeah. It's, it's this is pre drag race. Look, this is not even like, I wouldn't, expect you know what i mean yeah like if i saw this on a stage at a club i would go you know that girl should be on drag race sure and it's again like safe maybe maybe you could argue high depending on the rest of the competition uh, in a, in a category but it's just like i just didn't understand it and like any joke that she made literally rue and the judging panel just be like ah! <laughs> like they it wasn't she made the burger finger reference again which it's just like that was the only reference to anything we've seen before so that was the only bit of branding in there but what does it have to do with her being aquatic nothing 
And what is like, you can't smell underwater. And then also she says at one point in the thing that she's like a Russian spy. And it's like, what do you get any of that from any of this? It's like, to yes, me. Yes, Russians who are notoriously um, associated with the color ice blue. Yeah. It was, well, yeah, it, it was frustrating how like, it was just, I don't, I don't see I appreciate, again, I don't hate playing Jane. I actually think she has value on this season, but I just don't, like, get the unenviable praise that, like, yeah. she, she gets. She's, like, a six, and people are acting like she's a ten, yeah. and I'm not getting it. Um, then we had Nymphia win with the Spring Banana Yellow Carpet Edition. The fa- Literally, it ha- so the only reason she wasn't in the top is because the bow is pink on her dress and it's yellow on the doll, right? Well, and the wig on the doll is also red slightly wig. different, yeah. And, and styled slightly different. Like, yeah, this is gorgeous. <laughs> it's one of the best. Like, this could have won. Look, <laughs> like, I, I don't like it that much. Really? I think the... I think it, on the doll, it looks great. On the doll, it looks absolutely stunning. I think on on the queen, uh, the bow is way too long. Oh. The dress itself is not long enough. Like, it's a weird hymn. Um. And it's kind of hidden by the bow. Also, it it literally looks like she made a tube dress, wrapped the tool around her shoulders... And then wrap some tool around to make that bow. I'll, okay, I fully disagree with you. <laughs> it's it's not that impressive. I could. I am not a seamstress. I could make this dress. <laughs> I don't agree. Like I'm just not. Well, I may maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> not not that, but like, I I love like this. that. Him is weird. Why is it hitting mid shin? So that it, is never a good length for anyone. I guess. I love the size of the bow. I love that the bow is essentially a train. Which I I think she said in interviews later, she's like, yeah, I ran out of pink fabric, so I couldn't make the bow pink on the doll. And I love that you she You have like, a metric yeah. fuck ton. She had so much fabric. Pink. At the end of those bow ties, you could have made a bow out of literally a square inch of fabric. But she was like, no, I need every inch for this fucking train. I can't. I just... I... It's not that impressive to me. I like, like it. it's pretty. It's definitely safe, but it's like there's lots of things wrong with it. Um, I wouldn't have put it anywhere near the top. Really? That you're gonna get dragged. For I don't that. give a fuck. You <laughs> get ready. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we have Morphine Love Dion with the Miami Bimbo Edition. I thought Morphine could have been in the top because I, I agree. I thought her story was great. I thought she had some really funny jokes within. I, she played into the like comedy aspect with like the blacked out tooth and like the 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 uh, um, egregiously long pinky nail or whatever that uh-huh. joke was. Like so, she had like the jokes where she wasn't just making it about her BBL and like, right. doing all that. And I, I do think she looked a lot better than the doll. I think the doll looked like her <laughs> after she had gotten really drunk and like. Was in the middle of a train. The makeup on the doll is a little wild. And I'm talking about the sexual sexual train and then woke up the next morning at like nine and couldn't find her shoes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she really, I mean, but Morphine has such a graphic face to where it, she definitely implanted that on the doll. And I will give her that credit. But on yeah. the doll, it looks wild. It does look wild. Well, the thing, the problem is, is that Morphine's face already looks 
and this is going to sound shady. It already looks plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her she foundation dewy. is flawless. Mm-hmm. Her skin is flawless. So to, the doll just can't keep up is really what it is. Yeah. Oh my god! Then we had Maya on the page with the Queen of Flips. This just the pose too with the like the doll is like looking down, like no expression on the face, and is just like has her hands up uh-uh. as if to like. No, there's an expression on the face. That bitch is mad. That <laughs> bitch is angry, and she's got. You know how you got a forehead, and some people got a five head. This this doll has a twenty head. Yeah, that hairline starts where well behind the ears. Right. Like, it's, like, way back here. I just, why is there that much real estate? Like, it looks like she's bald, and then she has a headband on that has hair on it. Yeah, it's very, the traction alopecia. <laughs> it's it's rough, and she's angry about it. Like, she is pissed. That bitch is about to, look, look at that hand. She's <laughs> about to backhand somebody with that hand. Well, I was, it's either you're backhanding someone or it's like the, like, no enthusiasm voguing. <laughs> That's what I got from it. It's like, yes, give us nothing. <laughs> Isn't That's what exactly it is? what it is. It's perfect. Um, but also, Maya's voiceover for her, like, story as she's coming out. <laughs> she literally talks like it was, like, AI generated. Almost, yeah. And then she goes, she is fun, shy, outgoing, and an energetic diva that lives in Miami, Florida. <laughs> it's like, what? Are you, what are you doing? Also, shy and outgoing. <laughs> This that was the part where Rue had a look on her face like, did I take mushrooms right now? Like, what is happening? <laughs> Am I on a coffee enema? Did nobody tell me they gave me the coffee enema? Yeah, the look actually looks pretty good on her. It's just, yeah, there is some hemming issues and and all that. Sure, but I don't think it's as bad. I th- like th- when they were critiquing her and Rue was like, "Why did you put it?" Because they she's like, "I did the zipper. Why did you put a zipper in it? Because it's stretch fabric." And she was like. I felt like if I didn't put the zipper in, you guys would notice it and, you know, give me, like, bad critique for it. And, and she's like, but we can't see it. So Also, did you notice there's no titty cut out on the doll? Oh, yeah, it's really bad. And, and also, then those... The, the jacket is so, like... Those sleeve bell things are just, like... It's a shrug. It's a it's a it's a mere um, um, suggestion of a cape, yeah. as opposed to Maya's look, which is like, "Yes, bitch, work." Well, and then I also agree with the like you called. You said it's the Queen of Flips edition, and then you didn't do any flips. <laughs> like what? Like, but she did save it for later, which I appreciated. Also, look at the headband placement on Maya. It's right above her eyebrows, where yeah. a headband should go, not 20 miles back. Also, I just don't get it. Also, I, the, the hair is really bad, too, on the doll. Where It's, it's like, so bad. That doll is... That, burn that doll. That yeah. doll is awful. Yeah. Uh, then we have Megami with the Native New Yorker edition. I, actually I was, fucking love this I one. thought this was good. I thought it looked great on Megami. Like, fit her body really well. Like, was a cool concept. I actually think the doll looks pretty good. Yeah. In terms of like makeup, like I think the idea of putting the the orange with the that dark blue, that's a beautiful color pairing. Yeah. Um and it flatters her body so well. Like look at how perfectly uh tailored that 
that bodysuit is. Yeah. Like, if there's no sagging areas at all. She perfectly made this. And with that strong bit shoulder, I, I fucking love this look. I think it should have been in the top. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Then we have Geneva Carr with the Daintiest Doll Texas Edition. <gasps> no, this wasn't it, honey. Have you noticed that this look looks exactly like the look she made in the last design challenge what did she make in the last design challenge? it was the one that she made from the the jacket with oh the, with the which the, like, the, the skirt was too short it's too short in the back on her too yeah Here, it's the exact same like look at it it's the same fucking color fabric well and they said that, like it looks better on the doll like oh like, so much better on the like because the paillettes are bigger so it's more of like a statement well, on that the skirt. fuck you collar right on the doll and, and it's like it just it's, inflated on her it, it's just it's just slightly pissed off on her that it's like an actual fully fuck you on the doll. Yeah. We'll get to what Law Roach said because I was aghast. Um, Dawn with the Galactic Empress edition, which I thought this looked really good. I thought it looked really good, but... When you actually it, looked at the details, it was not as... It was rough. Like, the the cutout around the head and the hemline on the bottom of the skirt is not finished. Not finished at all. They, med, they read Maya for that. Yeah. But then... Praise Dawn. Like, Dawn's really, like, I love Dawn. I will sing her praises all day, every day. But this look was not nearly as good as what they were giving it. Yeah, I love the concept of it. Yes. I love the choice of that purple with the silver, which she said she did kind of last minute because she didn't have enough of the purple fabric. So mm -hmm. she's like, I have this lining that's, like, bright yeah. silver. Like, like, I honestly, I think, I think Megami should have been in the top over this. It should have been Megami and Plane No, it should have been No, over Plane? It should have been Megami, Dawn, and, and uh, No, I think as much as Planes was Plane, I think it is finished and professionally looks professional, whereas this looks like something you made on Drag Race. I guess. It's still, I mean, like, it's, it's just, you can see the scissor cuts. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really sloppy. Yeah, I, a good idea, but maybe need more refining. And then the last we have Q with the fantasy edition. This is phenomenal. And as soon as she came out, I was like, okay, she's winning. <laughs> like, this is great. I, I honestly think this is one of the best looks that's ever walked down this runway. I mean, the the headpiece is, yeah. I mean, it's crazy impressive that she made that headpiece. I still, I will disagree with you all day. I still think that this is a better look than what Nymphia gave us in the last design challenge. Leave it. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think. But I think Nymphia's is a close second, but this just, uh Yeah, and doing the copper tones was a really smart move, and, like, yeah, it's it's just really phenomenal and, like, gives a great silhouette, and it's just, like, really impactful and, and sticks out. Yeah. yeah. Q is just, I mean, Q never looks bad. That's the one yeah. thing we could say. Honestly. Um. So they're going into the uh, critiques or whatever. So the top is, as we mentioned, Plain, Dawn, and Q. The bottom is Plasma, Maya, and Geneva. Oh, and before, but before they announced that, they asked uh, the queens with the potions if they would like to take their immunity potion. And Safira says, I'm going to take mine. And she says in the confessional, as soon as I said yes, I looked at the judge's face and I was like, oh, I fucked up. Because they were looking at me like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I, yeah, like I said, outer saboteur. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, no, girl. Which I don't... He's like she's gonna. I think she's gonna do well in a lip sync to where I know I'm not worried about her. But like, yeah, I mean, we saw her in episode one. Yeah, it's more just a wasted yeah opportunity. 
Um, so they're going through the critiques. Uh, they're asking Maya about her look. Like, did you sew this? Did you get any help? She goes, Safira told me how to do the zipper and I did everything else on my own. And Dawn's face was like, bitch, no, you did not. And it didn't come up in untucked. Never. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> Wild. I, I, it has to come up at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. Has to. Because that's, that is egregious. Um, Law reads Geneva down for this look. And I understand because it's not great. But he goes, from the neck up, beauty queen. From the neck down, horror queen. <laughs> <laughs> horror. <laughs> and then she says, your doll, he, your doll has RuPaul legs and you have Danny DeVito legs. Finally, but I was like, finally, someone making something that's a little egregious of a comment on the judging panel. But also, that's that's a problem with the challenge. Like, why are you mad at her for the way her body is shaped in yeah. comparison to this plastic? Well, doll? She, he was he was making he wasn't simply saying with her body though. Like, he made the point of like the ankle strap like booties that you had on were like really t- poorly done for your yeah. and like the cut of the like the placement of the skirt could have been better to where it could show off your legs better right sure but i mean that's a that's a repeat note for geneva like i said this is the same fucking look put the looks from the last design challenge and this design challenge next to each other it's the same fucking thing yeah it's even, I swear it's the same stretch blue fabric. <laughs> it might have been, honestly. It's wild. Yeah. Um, so what RuPaul uh, sends him to the back and says, I, I, I feel like I, this is the first we've heard this. She goes, when you untuck in the lush lounge, is that what they're calling it nowadays? I, I, I they, they just apparently. Just, she, they just say anything. I mean, they don't, they're not sponsored by like Absolute anymore or whatever, right? So it's like, they right. you know. Or the Interior Illusions Lounge. Like, bring that back. Give us back our two different untucked spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So much better. Um, they go, they come back off, come back onto the stage after the, uh, they deliberate. Um, <laughs> the way, so they announce plane is safe. Then it gets down to Dawn and Q. They give Dawn her praise or whatever. And like, like the, whatever the like quirky line that Rue says, the way that Q is looking at at dawn of like i will fucking murder you if i do not get this win right now <laughs> like she was like staring holes in her in the back of that so little funny. silver head but then she announces dawn is safe and then q uh uh wins the challenge rightfully so and it was obviously q it had been building up for her you know for a good while so i think she had a butcher knife hiding in that dress somewhere honestly she was ready to pull out and just go full like murder something on her <laughs> you were like what's a murder what, what's knife? a murder joke i can't what, mur- murders are um uh notoriously not funny so that's why there's not a lot of murder jokes um <laughs> yeah just so that y'all know out there yeah oh uh, god um so the bottom two is maya and geneva um i think fair um plasma was the other one that was safe in the bottom um they lip sync to control by janet jackson and he, this was maya's 
time to shine and it was great like she the way she, everything like i mean she had a, almost a titty slip out but like everything was still like like the hair stayed and that hair was heavy uh-huh and like but did you notice the first thing that she did when the lip sync started was put those arm cape things into literally hair ties oh i didn't notice that yeah she literally pulled them off her wrist and put her those things into hair ties so that they were out of her way yeah Perfect. Good fucking job, bitch. And the flips were great. Like, yeah. They were really fucking impressive. Like, the way when Geneva, like, goes up towards her and she does the spin into the death drop, it's, like, great. I was a little, I was a little worried that her hair would be a touch too tall to where she couldn't reach the ground. And oh, if, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. if she was needing to do a cartwheel or a handspring or whatever. Um, but bitch worked it. Yeah, she so. did that shit. It was great. Like... Yeah, she, like, this, and it was very much the, like, if you've seen those, like, Miami girls that perform oh, yeah. at, like, Well, those... hell, we've all seen Maya's videos. They've yeah, yeah, been yeah. viral on right. TikTok and Twitter everywhere. Like, we've known about her like, for a while. Like, literally doing backflips all the way down, like, a sidewalk. Yeah. Like, a, like, it's phenomenal. I don't think she was the one that dropped off the side of a bus. No, But, no, like, no. we've seen her, like, doing brunches. But it's in that same club. Like, yeah, I forgot, that same that I forgot same the place. name of it. But, like, it's, yeah. It's, like, those girls hang off ceilings. And oh, it's, yeah. It's wild. So, like, it was really impressive. Um, Maya ends up winning, rightfully so. And Geneva goes home. I think it was time. It's like... Yeah. Well, and Geneva seemed to know, She took it very well. Well, she seemed to know as soon as she got into Untucked and there was a piece about her over it. Um, So, good for her. Like, yeah. good for her for being able to go out not in a awful mood to where she was able to really just enjoy that last lip sync. Yeah. And it, and it, and she still committed and still did yeah. her best. And so that, you know, I give the credit to her. Um, so yeah, that was drag me for this week. A really fun episode. Um, always excited to see what comes from this season. Cause it's been pretty good so far. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of the traders. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com 
Welcome back to a game is MB. Let's head on over to Scotland where the traders numbers are down and the faithful are being subjected to traps and human sacrifice on the traders traders for this week. Um, it's interesting to see how sort of like tides are shifting. And like, I think it, as someone who like was very much rooting on like Peter, like in the last episode in terms of like the plan to like get out Dan and stuff like that mm -hmm. and how that was well executed. I don't know about you, but I was definitely like, I turned on Peter at a certain point in this episode. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, I, a lot of people were like, get this fuck. Like, as soon as he started coming for a Queen Poverty, I was like, nope. Yep. I get why, but it was like, yeah. And he's, I, I don't know if he's like, I don't know if it's gone to his head slightly. I think, like, he is still thinking in a game mentality, but it's like, you know. I think they were riding high on the on the the fact that they got Dan out and it you know was slightly affecting the bravado of the faithfuls a little bit yeah i think so uh we started the episode cuz we left last episode with po uh, poverty and phaedra pr presenting the offer to peter about whether to join them essentially as traitors um and peter had the option to either either reject it or take it we do find out cuz there's a knock at the door but then so they put their cloaks back on but when they come take him off alan is there and tells them that peter rejected the offer and i'm like yeah I that was obvious well here's my thing he he and he says later he's convinced that poverty is a traitor and i think maybe it probably reaffirmed his position that he that she was a traitor but his rejecting of it wasn't based off of that thought process apparently because he's like I'm a faithful to the end. I want to be a part of the winning this the right way. And I'm like, okay. As in, as if it's a moral failing to have been chosen to be a traitor. I, I got worried about that only in the sense of like, it was giving me vibes of last season of traitors where they got yeah. so weirdly emotionally invested in it. Like, like I, like I'm all for emotional investment. Don't get me wrong. It can lead to great stuff on reality television, but it's like, I don't see with this game. Why? Well, I, I'm fine People with there get being so emotionally invested. I'm fine with there being emotional investment on whether you personally win or lose. Right. <laughs> I don't see a point in there being moral or there being like emotional investment in this false dichotomy of morality that is placed upon you. Yeah. You don't get to choose your like Peter's the only one who's gotten to choose. Right. Everyone else's fate was dealt to them. Well, doesn't well maybe he gets to hold that other people like ah, yeah I got to choose whether I was a traitor and I you know did it for the better or whatever. Who gives a fuck? Did poverty get to choose? I can't remember. No, no, she no. Had, well, no, she no she didn't get to choose. I don't believe. I think she was like you you recruit one more person and like it's not a choice in that matter. If I remember correctly, I don't remember. But like yeah, it's like. I was like, do it for the strategic purposes, don't get me wrong, because I do think they kind of misstep slightly to where, like, it does kind of make it obvious to me that poverty is the traitor. Yeah, it shouldn't have been Peter. Yeah. It should have been, I think, either Bergy or Trishel. I think it should have been Trishel. I think... Because I think Bergy, I think Bergy is pretty loyal to Peter. Yeah, probably. Um... And Bergy is good cover for Phaedra, so I think moving him to their side is a little... Yeah. But Trishel would have been a good... Because then you have the badass bitch posse in the in the uh, turret. Honestly, would, would we kind of here for that? <laughs> like, Honestly. It, it really would have been... On it, like, it should have been Trishel. You're right. Because it would have been, like... Whatever you think about Trishel, because not everyone loves Trishel. But, like, 
three like prominent women from different universes yeah. of like I think would be a, an interesting you know trio. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, poverty uh, is like. Poverty says to Phaedra, what a dummy. I guess he doesn't want to win that badly. Which it's like... That's it is also, pretty hard to win as a faithful. That's the thing. Like, it's you're much more in tune to possibly win if you're a traitor. Yeah. So, like, you know. But, uh, and Alan tells them there will be no murder and everyone will be showing up at breakfast. And Poverty's like, well, that's not good for me. And Phaedra goes, it's going to be your last meal, honey. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that, like... It's so weird to say, I want to win the right way when the traders can just say, no, you're not winning. Right. Like, there's so much power. Like they, they just get to say, this person is going home now. Yeah. Period. End of story. Like, you don't stop it. Yeah. This is dumb. <laughs> we go to breakfast the next morning uh, and everyone's slowly starting to fall in. Bergy basically think, is telling them, like, poverty is the next suspect. And so that's who we're going for next. But we have no idea after that. I was kind of a little worried about Phaedra this episode at the breakfast, particularly because I felt like she seemed very nervous and seemed nervous throughout the episode. Like when they go into the armory later with Peter and, and poverty, like she gave nervous energy that I was like a little worried about. I didn't have a problem with the armory bit. Mm. I did think that she was a little at breakfast. She was pulling looks because yeah. it was her and Bergie that came in first. Yeah. And Bergie would make a comment, but he wasn't looking at her and she would like roll his or her eyes at him or something. Clearly meant for the cameras, but not for him. In that it clearly indicates that she's a traitor. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and it's not been clear other than Trishel, who is picked up on the fact of Phaedra possibly being a traitor. It yeah. seems right now just Trishel. Yeah. But we'll, you know, it's, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think there's another, there is a moment later where I think Phaedra does much better in terms of like convincing people that she's good and on their side, which I think like lends a little more capital in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, Peter, uh, like I said, fully believes that poverty is the one, the one that sent a recruitment letter, but he's making the point to keep it to himself. Like he's not going to be like blatant with it. Cause he's like, I think I can use this maybe against poverty. He doesn't say how, which like, I, it was kind of similar to like the early thing with Kevin where they were going to have a fake fight or whatever, where it was like, mm -hmm. like I, you have ideas, but like, I don't know if like, it, it's not as strung together as the shield idea. Like <laughs> you have ideas, but they're not good. No. So maybe stop. <laughs> well, yeah. But he does. When John comes in, he whispers to John, there's something I need to tell you guys later. So it's like, yeah, but he also, he also is verging on leading too many suspicious vibes. Yeah. Like, like Sandra points that out later, that it's like you are running the risk now of seemingly being too active. Right. Um, Trishel and Kevin enter, and they're the last two to enter, so they all realize that there was... They basically immediately figure out that there was a recruitment, right? Because, like, why else right. would there not be anyone killed? That's what happened last season. Um, but as they're talking about it, Peter doesn't say anything. Um, Alan tells him that there were, well, Alan tells him there was no murder, but he's not saying why there was no murder, which right. I thought was interesting. Like I, I, I would prefer them lean on the side of not telling them specifics to let their brain like spiral that. because like 
you have the potential to get more. Right. I think it's like with the Ekansu murder with the poison. I think they should, instead of saying someone was poisoned, they could have easily just said there has been no murder. Yeah. Yet. Or, yeah, or something. And just leave it. Leave the, like, the whole point of this game is that paranoia takes over. Right, right, right. And I feel like they're giving them too much information for the paranoia. Yeah. Like, and it just turns into a numbers game as opposed to the fact that it's supposed to be someone is fucking killing us off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I also wish that they would do things like on Dragula where they have murder scenes for the person that's eliminated. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're going to do... That would be fabulous. I mean, if they're going to do all those scenes of them in their bedroom, that's clearly not their bedroom. Which they they really were, like, overdoing it this episode where it's just like, man, you guys are, like, going for your Emmy. Bergie snuggling with the fucking teddy bear was (laughs) fabulous. Loved it. 10 out of 10. That right there should get on the Emmy. I just like, I love the director who's just like, okay, MJ, lay in bed and give like an exasperated sigh. Like, <laughs> go <laughs> on. It's it, like, I want that job. Honestly. Um, so, but, uh, so Alan tells them to have a challenge later. He says, if a reality star falls in the forest and nobody hears it, do they make a sound? Which I love Sandra being like, oh God, they're going to have us in the fucking forest running. Like, like, God damn it, having Sandra do all these physical challenges, and you can't opt out. No. Yeah. It's not like on Survivor where you can just sit out that challenge. Yeah. I thought Poverty was so smart here, though. Like, Poverty was, I, this is where, like, I think she said earlier where it's like, when my back is up against the wall, that is where I can, you know, sort of yes. sell. After Alan leaves, she immediately goes, so who got recruited? And, like, like looking around. Poverty on the defense is, like, dull boring honestly not her best gameplay yeah parvati on the offense bitch work and i think it works in the sense because she knows she's the target right she knows and everyone knows that she's the target so to me the behavior doesn't necessarily come across as traitorish right right it comes across as i'm trying to stay here and like that's you know yeah that's that's the forefront she goes we got a new traitor in the house is it you peter and Peter goes, we shall see. Wild. It's. I thought Peter. Wild. I thought it was. Peter tries to keep this information just to his alliance, so to speak. Right. But I, I thought the way he was acting, I don't know if lended the best. Kate goes, maybe they said no, thank you. And then Poverty goes, raise your hands if you got the letter. And nobody raises their hands. She goes, mm, somebody's lying. <laughs> She really was feeling herself. Epic. It yeah. was so good. Peter goes, Peter then goes, well, poverty, guess it means that you're not a traitor since I'm still here. And poverty goes, that's a change of tune. Now you're saying I'm not a traitor? Like. Read his ass, honestly. Right. It's like, I need to put, this is like, she was so, I feel like last episode, she spent too much time, time trying to turn it on Peter. Uh-huh. When, like I said before, like she had the stuff with the shield that happened, like you weren't going to you had to focus on dan here like it it she is finding those moments to make peter look guilty and and sort of like trying to showcase them as much as possible well and i think her issue thus far has been that she's been trying to play this without getting her hands dirty 
But that's not Parvati. That's never been the way that she's played any game I've ever seen her in. Yeah. She is best when she is messy as fuck. When she has got her claws out and is digging in people's guts. Right. Like, that's what she does well. That's what she would be doing if she wasn't trying to hide. So that's what she needs to do to actually make herself look innocent. Yeah. I agree. She says her confessional, I'm done with his smug little smile. I have my predator headband on and I'm coming for that bachelor. And it's like a cheetah print headband. <laughs> Bitch work. Like, I love that she's playing into the headband stuff. I love the fact that she literally, like, she had to have bought one of those big sets off of Temu or something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like 80 headbands. <laughs> Um, so after breakfast, Peter immediately pulls his alliance into the bar area and closes the door and tells them, I got the letter and I declined it. And so, but because of that, I know where we need to go from here tonight. We have to banish poverty is telling them this. Phaedra then tries to enter the room and Peter Peter goes, Phaedra, can we have like a minute? Which he had just done with the poverty, like the last episode. And Phaedra's like, okay. But then immediately goes and tells everyone else in the billiard room that like, he's like, he's like, yo, yo, can we have a minute? We're talking like shutting the door on me basically and like everyone's like what the hell and so <laughs> so as this is happening well before that phaedra dubs them so she says they're a confessional peter and his pals the peter pals <laughs> they have their secret mini meetings and they dismiss people and i love i love that like phaedra has given them that name because they are the peter pals for now honestly until the end of this game yeah Trishel is trying to tell them what she thinks about Phaedra, right? That she is, she seems to be onto Phaedra. She's like, it might be a better idea to take her out because poverty right now is wounded. Like everyone's targets are on her, which I think is correct. Like, yeah. it's, like it's the actual, like Trishel's actually being very smart here. And Peter's like, just stick with the plan. Basically. I think my plan's better. Well, it's, it's funny how it looks on the surface. Like this is, um, Peter versus Parvati at this point. Yeah. But really and truly, it's Trishel versus Sandra. Because meanwhile, Sandra's in the billiard room explaining to everyone how the numbers work out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's genius, number one, to actually explain it this way. And, but that's her mind, right? This is where she excels in games like this is numbers and alliances. She's so good at it. We've seen her do it multiple times on Survivor. This is Sandra's part of the game. Yeah. Before Sandra does that, though, we then get, I would argue, <laughs> is the most me- the most memeable moment of the season. Because when Phaedra tells them this, MJ goes, I'm going to go in there and talk to them. And then goes into the room, opens the door. They then tell MJ, MJ, can you give us like one minute? And she's like, well, I don't want to be like left out if you guys are having a conversation. Um, did you notice at one point Kevin goes, you were going to tell you the plan later. You're going to love our plan. And Kevin like, or um, Peter like shushes him. Like, <laughs> like, don't tell her we have a plan. Like, <laughs> Kevin's such an idiot. And like, but I, I also love that MJ was like standing there. It was fully that that um kid walks into their parents room at like three in the morning goes mom i threw up but it was so weird (laughs) this outfit that mj has on (laughs) this like hot topic like graphic like t-shirt ed hardy rejects yeah with these high-waisted pants (laughs) and just standing there and it's become such a meme and it's so good good. um and she's just like 
okay, and then leaves, and then goes back and being like, they kicked me out too. So this is where Sandra, as you mentioned, explains t- takes the pool balls and explains to them, okay, like we these are us. They have the five. If they if there's a traitor in that alliance and they all vote to take out, you know, who the the faithfuls, whatever. If two of us go home, then we're even numbers at that point. And so by that point, we're like they can literally just pick us off by that point. Right. So the only way that any of us are going to survive is if we at this next round table take out a, uh, one of the people in this five. And it's very accurate. Like like it, it wasn't the it wasn't the Amarosa with the oranges. It was actually right. a little more like Well the difference focused. the difference is that Amarosa was bullshitting everyone in that meeting, whereas Sandra's fully sure. like actually saying, No, this is what we should do. I will say though, in fair, do you think Sheree understood a damn thing no, Sandra was saying? Of course not. All Sheree needs to know is this is who you vote for. You vote here. Literally at one point Phaedra's like because they they decide on Peter. They're like, You're voting Peter, you're voting Peter. She literally grabbed Grabs MJ's head in her hands and goes, Peter, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> it, the the head of the hands reminded me of I'm an idiot sandwich yeah, from yeah, Hell's yeah. Kitchen. Like I, uh. and Sandra dubs the group the leftovers. Uh, yeah. which is I love that it's just like you giving them a name it's it's perfect did you I told you about Sandra she posted on Instagram about like this moment and she also laid out a very interesting like part as to why she she did what she did she's i'll read it she says during that strategy session i also made it clear that hopefully the traitors were in our group so that they could murder each and every one of the so-called most faithful of the faithful therefore allowing the faithful in the leftovers to get to the end of the game self-preservation and end game strategy what a lot of people don't seem to understand is faithful also have to go just like the traitors we all can't make it to the end no one there is oblivious to the fact that Poverty and Phaedra have already been called out several times. That's actually manageable. If new traders enter the mix, then we have to start back at zero. Yeah. Which I is very intelligent. And I never thought like like that you could think like that, where it's like, if you know who the traders are, you want to keep them as long as possible. Yeah. Towards the end, because you have to then start with new information if someone else gets added. Right. Well and and the thing is, is that, like I was saying, Sandra's mind is strategy. That That is what she excels at. And it's so great to see her finally activate in this game. Because yeah. she really has kind of been laying it back. And it's weird that everyone picked up on Dan laying back and that was a problem. But they never picked up on Sandra laying back. Right. Because that's also her signature. She lays low for the first half of the game and then activates in the middle and takes over the strategy for the rest of the game. They really, really need to be careful about keeping Sandra around. Yeah. I I, I think she would have been very deadly as a trainer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and vicious <laughs> and like chaotic. Nobody would ever be able to tell who she was going to go after. Yeah. Um, they all enter into the woods for their challenge for this week. And so they basically have to be paired up in groups of two. And the goal of the mission is to carry these bags of gold that are each different numerical uh, numbers through the woods without getting caught. And so basically they will reach a point in the path and they all do it different. Like it's separate times. It's like right. one, at, one at a time. But they reach a certain end of a path where there's sort of a question that you have to answer. One path is the correct path. The other path, you're going to get trapped essentially. Right. Um, and so, and you know, you can go, you can leave one person when they've been trapped and continue on. But once both of you are trapped then you're out. 
essentially. And the money's gone. And the money's gone. Um, they, and if, oh, and the way that the shields work is that whoever gets out the fastest can win a shield, basically. So you can win one shield or two shields, depending if both of your teammates make it to the end. Um, they pair off into duos. Of course, CT and Phaedra are paired together. CT, they're going, how you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, it was great because Phaedra just looks at him and, and then he looks down at her and goes, how you doing? Yeah. Very Joey Tribbiani from Friends. <laughs> it was, but it was like sexy as opposed to Joey never did it sexy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. this was like, oh, hell, they going to be off and doing something else other than this challenge in these woods. They're going to be fucking in these, in these nets over here. Yeah. Um, they start with the first one. And the question, it, it's like questions where it's like you had to like pay attention to certain things, essentially. Like Alan makes a comment that it's like the woods of Derek McDormand. And they have to figure, like, was right. it Derek McDormand or Dorman McDerek? Like trying yeah. to, you know, things like that. Like stuff in the castle, like of like, there was like a quote in the kitchen that you had to mm-hmm. remember and all that stuff. So it's, it's, I thought this was a fun challenge because it does, it, it, it had a large level of difficulty for the group, but right. like also, you know, there was some skill to it. Well, and it's funny because it's it's talking about their attention to detail, but not to detail that they were expecting to need to have to pay attention to. Right. There's and no so, way to prep, really. Right. You just kind of have to remember it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really great. So, like, Peter falls in the mud at one point because there were, like, leaves sprayed out and, like, you, you fall in the mud. Um, Bergy gets caught at one point in the mud. Um, so Sheree is on her own and she's just like, oh, hell no. Like, this is, like, not okay. Also, again, pairing Kevin and Sheree off in these woods together. Yeah. What well, are we doing? Well, Kevin, well, Kevin was with Sandra. I thought... Because Kevin and Sandra make it to the end. But, but she was paired with Bergy. But were, like, were they the same ones that were paired together? No, it was Kevin and her before. But still, it's an airhead and, well, and Sandra or, I, and uh, Sheree. What I was going to say is like, this is why they casted Sheree on this show. It wasn't for the strategy. No. It wasn't for like the possibility of she could figure it out. She's really done nothing this game. In Absolutely terms of, not. In terms of strategy. It's just for these moments. Has she even had a confessional? <laughs> like, like one or two? The whole season. Yeah. And it's like, but it's for these moments for her to like be rolling up on the field and it's clearly the trap and her just going, oh, no, 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 before she even gets caught. And her being hoisted, like the, the, like the traps where it's like the net, like snatches them up. In the, right. It was so amazing. At least she got that one though and didn't get the mud one. I mean, because she would have been mad at the mud one. Kate would have been mad at the mud one. And she didn't get that one either. Yeah, <laughs> I love Kate at one point when I forgot who's. I think she had MJ and and MJ got law or snatched up, and she's going. I mean, she's chilling in a leaf hammock. I'm getting ticks. Like, <laughs> what do you think is in the leaf hammock, ma'am? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Trishel gets snatched up, Kate gets snatched up, Phaedra gets snatched up at one point, and so it's now down to just Poverty and John as a duo, and Sandra and Kevin as a duo, and it essentially becomes like a race between the two of them, um, which again, both just like weird combinations of people, yeah. like, and like Kevin being like, come on, San-, he doesn't, Kevin has no clue that San- this is not Sandra's thing, and like, Say I felt so bad because Sandra was trucking it so hard, yeah. like, trying to get through this. But Parvati picked John on purpose because she realized he was a a weak link in that group. Sure, and it was like I can get him on my side in yeah. this challenge. And I think it was very very smart on her part 
Um, I'm interested to see if she actually sticks around longer because I I think she's starting to play the game smarter, but I wonder if it's too late. Are you talking about poverty? Poverty. I I think I here's the, I don't doubt her. I I just can't doubt that she can. Oh yeah, I mean it. she's a badass. She's I, either gone first or or she's there till the end. That's her track record. Yeah. Um, John, when poverty and John get to the end of the challenge, I love John is just like a narrator in a way. That's like so fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> poverty. You are the triumphant warrior, the ultimate survivor. <laughs> it's like, don't tell Sandra that. <laughs> also, why does that sound like a stock reaction on a video game? Sure. Like, you know, on the WWE 2K 2K games where they have those those commentary things that are just like very generic. Yeah, but I, like I don't even know what I did was accurate. Actually, I, that's my horrible take on it. But <laughs> but that's what it sounded like. Uh, they end they end up banking eight thousand dollars, which is abysmal. Really out of bad. the twenty five, I think. Poverty literally looks to Peter and goes, "At least we got something." It was like, get him. He she hates Peter. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, but Sandra and Kevin were the ones to make it out the fastest and they win shields. And I actually was happy for, cause Sandra's like, I've never won an individual immunity on like survivor. Yeah. So like, you know, good it, for her. It was a good moment for her. Um, Alan though tells them that they're not out of the woods yet and that there'll be a surprise later. And so like what that is about, who knows? Um, they, they all get back to the castle. Oh my God. Fucking, uh, CT goes into the armory and then grabs all because I guess there's like some like cloak of armor like stuff or whatever and he dresses as a knight coming out like, and goes, look I found a shield CD's <laughs> just going along he's to get here along. for the camp yeah. honestly he doesn't really we'll get to it later at the like the fire ceremony he doesn't understand I don't think he understands strategy in terms of like what to do I I think he does it's just his priorities are different. Oh, yeah. Because, well, and then, so at one point, Kate, Phaedra, and Poverty are, like, in the hallway discussing, like, what they're going to do. And the target is Peter. And literally every, like, Sandra laid out with the pool balls, like, exactly what you guys were going to do. CTC hears this and says that it's, like, oh, the Queen's Council is, like, talking right now. And then he pulls Peter into the armory to tell them, that tell Peter that he's, like, being talked about that he's going to be on the block. It's like, CT, what are you doing? Like, did you not hear what Sandra said about the numbers? But it's like, just because it's, I, I, I love, I mean, I like CT, but it was just like, oh, let me save the man in this group because like all the, it's too many, too many women. I'm like the only man. So therefore it's like, come on, like whatever. Um, Peter's like, that's the first time I heard of this. And CT goes, I'm not going to go into all the details, but just like, there you go. It's like, wait, wait to leave that bomb and just like, but also Peter being surprised that people are gunning for him. Well, I, I, again, I think that was him getting to his head a little bit. I guess. Yeah. Peter then invites Phaedra and poverty into the armory at one point to discuss things. And she's like, have, he's like, have you come to a consensus? And part and Phaedra just goes, I mean, it's like, uh, she basically shrugs, which I was like, Oh, that's kind of like, again, th- those are the moments where I was like, I think you're like, it's similar to the Dan issue, right? 
where it's just like you're not throwing out a name necessarily. You just seem kind of like. Well, but hers seemed less about not wanting to throw out a name. And she specifically names it in, I don't want to be in these side conversations. I don't like it. I don't think it looks good. It puts a target on my back. I'm not coming in here. I'm leaving this conversation. She says, I don't want to be in a collusion. Y'all right. talk. That, that's what she was saying. And it's like, instead of it being about, I don't want to put a name out there, it became, I don't want to be seen talking in a closed room you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that makes it look like you're colluding. You're making this little pact between the three of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That to me seems more normal than I'm refusing to talk names. Right. And Peter says at one point, like, or we could like work together. Like that could, that could be an option. And poverty goes, why would we even why would you even want to work with me? If you think I'm a traitor. So yeah. there's kind of like a tension there. So, but as this is happening, Alan then yells for the players to come to the front and he tells them to meet him in the woods in 10 minutes. And they're like, what the fuck is this about? Um, they all head out into the woods and they're standing around this like big fireplace pit and they all have like their individual like torches around them. And so Alan basically explains to them that there's going to be no round table tonight. It felt like a tribal kind of like, <laughs> and they were like, Alan basically tells them there's no round table. There will be a murder tonight by the traders. However, you will have to determine the five, basically the five people who will be safe from murder. You already have two people, Sandra and Kevin, right, that are safe. So that leaves 10 people who um, are vulnerable at this point, seemingly. You know, you don't right. know who the traitors are. And so you have to save half of them, essentially. And then the other half are vulnerable. I I saw a lot of people kind of annoyed that they did this twist. It felt like a survivor twist that was like poorly placed, only in the sense that it seemed like we were building to such this Peter Poverty moment at the round table that like it kind of threw that off. Yes. Um, especially because I was really kind of expecting to get that Phaedra Peter showdown that we see in the previews that we keep seeing in the previews. Yeah, not to spoil it, but it it's it's a great line. But like it's it yeah, I was like, I kind of wanted this like alliance, these this alliance square off, so to speak. Right. And it's like, I don't like. I think it's important that we get that at some point, if not this week, then next week, because like that was my favorite part of the whole episode in terms of the way like poverty was like seemingly completely down on her luck, was going to go home no matter what, and then took the advantage like by like convincing like Sandra and all that. So it's like to sort of like throw that by the wayside and like have that be like a side thing that just didn't come to fruition. It's kind of annoying. Sure. But it's also makes it so that people aren't, I don't know. At a certain point you have to throw off the formula. Right. At a certain point you have to disrupt the rhythm. So I get why they did this. This is what, like five episodes in? Six episodes? Seven? Seven? Something. Seven. You know, like, it's time to do a disruption. Right. Um. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah. yeah. Trishel is immediately like, okay, so please pick me. Like, I've been stressed out this whole game, guys. Like, please pick me. Trishel, like, pleads her case like five times throughout this. She is so vocal. Just like, guys, someone pick me, please. And it's like, never happens. <laughs> It's very, um, 
uh, uh, what was it? Season three of Drag Race. Rue, pick me. Pick yeah. Me. <laughs> Doesn't Rue, work. Rue, pick me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alan, so basically says that because Kevin and Sandra have the shields from the challenge, they are the first ones with the power and they will make the first decision on who to light. And then every person after that lights another person, essentially. Uh, Kevin and Sandra discuss it. MJ is thinking that Sandra will choose her because they become really close, but they end up choosing Sheree. And so MJ is kind of like put off by it, basically, which we'll play into later. There's a lot of hurt feelings from this whole scenario. Um, Sheree then gets the torch someone next and she, uh, lights Phaedra's torch. Phaedra, I got emotional for like, like genuinely because she full on tears up. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh wow, like she's like, playing it up because why would phaedra because i was like why would phaedra tear up she's a traitor she knows that she's good like right. no matter what you know but this played into i think it plays into all the drama with phaedra getting kicked off of atlanta and that tension between her and anyone in the atlanta group yeah like she didn't just lose her friendship with candy she lost her f- friendship or at least created tension in that friend group between everyone there everyone that was still on the show and if they wanted to be friends with candy i don't know that they could really have a relationship with phaedra so i think for sheree to be here and go i'm gonna stand next to my sister yeah that's i i've known her for 20 years she said there, there's a long history here that none of, that none of these people will understand, basically. And right. Like, and, like, yeah, it, it was, like, I got choked up a little bit. It was very, like, but also, yeah. like, got choked up and then also was like, but this is also amazing for her game. Like, it's so, yeah. like, you know, t- to be able to cry like that. Yeah. Like, it's, it, like, to produce tears and, like, is very powerful in the turn, in, in the world in, in in a game like this where you have to manipulate yeah. right like that's very powerful um so phaedra then decides uh phaedra gets the light next and then she's trishelle again is begging her but she ends up lighting ct's torch of course because she's he's her castle daddy <laughs> <laughs> poverty was convinced that it would be her that phaedra was was gonna light, and then was like i don't know if i can trust phaedra anymore why would she light yours I don't, like to me like that's that would have been the complete wrong choice. Right. It would to me that would have outed Phaedra as a traitor. Right. Like like poverty you there's a big target on your back at this point where right. people are pretty convinced that you could be a traitor. So like the, So why would a faithful waste lighting your torch? Yeah. It it, it she had to I think poverty should have thought that through a little bit more. Um, CT is then having to light next. And of course, Trishelle is hoping that it'd be CT because they've been really bonding since their time on the challenge. It's been a little strained. They've been building their friendship, but he ends up lighting John's torch and CT goes, if we're playing this game, it's not about friends as he walks back to his like spot. And it's like, Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, he acknowledged like it, it's harder when like he's vocally acknowledging that like, yeah, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> But Trishel says they're professional. I literally feel like Alan shot me in the chest with a bullet. If you're going to burn me like this, at least respect me enough to look me in the eyes. This is when the rest of this episode, I feel like you get to see Trishel as yeah. Trishel is known. Yeah. <laughs> Taking things overly personally. Way too personal. Like, I mean, I get it. You don't want to go home. But also, 
you can't make decisions like that based on emotion. But also, what was the thought process behind CT doing? Like what I was saying before, of like, well, I don't know what CT's. I think CT sees John as more shrewd than than uh, Trishel. Right. And that's why he's like, he's better to keep in the game because I think he can help us figure out who the traitors are more than you can. Yeah, but again, it's like, well, and I shouldn't because of how he told Peter about the plan or whatever. I'm like, I think he's not in that uh, that um, leftovers alliance. He does, he's not choosing to be in that leftovers alliance, clearly, right. because he's like, for whatever reason. But to me, like, you want to save the leftovers and then leave the... Or do you think he's part of the Peter Pals, but he's a plant I think he's, the leftovers? I think he's part of the Peter Pals solely from the fact that I think he connects with Peter more because they're both... Maybe. Men. Let's be... Like, like let's be real. Dude bros. I, yeah, it's like they have more to bond with than, like, MJ or, like, you know, Sheree. <laughs> like... I guess. Um, so, yeah. And John is the last one. And it's kind of between Peter and Trishel, it seems like, of, like, they're both pleading their cases. Um, but he ends up lighting Peter's torch. And Poverty is, of course, frustrated because, like, fuck, I can't kill Peter tonight. Like, yeah. You know, which, again, I don't even know if it would be the best idea to kill Peter. Shouldn't be. Yeah. We'll get to it. Like, what do you think? We'll, we'll say it now. What do you think would have been, like, with the players in place? Because you, of the people who could be killed, because Poverty can, obviously. So right? we have four, right? We, we, we have, have MJ. We have Kate. Kate. We have Trishel. And we have Bergy. Right. I think Bergy is the choice. You think? Yes. I think, because I was debating whether it should be somebody in that alliance, right? You would think. To, yes. like for, for all the reasons that Sandra laid out, right? Correct. You need the numbers to be a certain way. But also, why do the trade? I mean, maybe the traders aren't going to factor that in necessarily. I think they should. And, but also when you're trying to convince other people, like, wouldn't getting rid of the people in that alliance, like, wouldn't, if, like, for example, if they were to kill MJ, Right, wouldn't that lend more credence to the idea that the traitor is in that five person alliance? Not necessarily, because you can make your arguments either direction, right? It's right. either deflection or it's direction. Like, either you're trying to deflect um, blame away from you, or you're taking out someone you want to get rid of. Right. Either way, there's a case to be made for why you could be the traitor. So at the end of the day, just pick out who you want to pick out or don't be strategic about it or anything. But like at this point, they've already decided to, to draw the line in the sand. Yeah. At this point, they have a group of people who are focused on staying in the game, and they have a group of people who are focused on taking out the traitors. At this point, you take out the people who are wanting to get rid of the traitors, whether you are in that group taking out the traitors or not. Right, but I think, yes. But I would argue, like, if you're, if you, like what Sandra laid out in that Instagram post, right? If they know, if, if poverty can also understand that, right? Of, like... At a certain point, it's just going to be the the leftovers together, right? If they were to pick off all of this like, right. Peter Pal Alliance. Like, wouldn't it be smarter to, like, balance it enough to where the Peter Pal Alliance and the leftovers are feuding enough towards the end? As opposed to, there is going to be a, com- a point where if you take out all the Peter Pals, at a certain point, you're, the target is going to be on you. You don't need to take out all of them. You need to take out Bergy and Peter. Right. Maybe Trishel, but you really only need to take out Bergie and Peter 
Because once you do that, there's no teeth left over there. Yeah. Nobody's taking Kevin or really John seriously. Trishel might be taken seriously, but she hasn't up to this point. So at this point, you really only have to take out those two. And I think like that's 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 pretty easy to do. Yeah. Because at that point everyone just merges back together. Really and truly. Yeah, I can see that. Um they all re- well the the safe people return back to the castle first and then the uh the people who are vulnerable then go. I love when they're all in the bar before the other people get in. John is they're all just talking and John goes, "You know, I think everyone was very gracious, I thought, you know, in terms of that." And outside MJ goes, "Don't suppress your emotions. Tell them how you feel." And Trishel goes, "I feel like shit." <laughs> like they're just like fuming as they fucking go into but this castle. But that's also why you don't take out Trishel. Because she's chaos. She's emotional. Yeah. Right? So if you're going to take someone out over there, you take out somebody that is not causing chaos. Because the chaos gives you cover. Yeah. Bergie's a little more thoughtful. So right. like, Yeah. Um, they enter the bar area. CT, uh, as Trishel walks in, goes, you hate me? And Trishel goes, I don't think you care either way. Like, so, and then she then leaves because <laughs> she then leaves to like, because CT's not engaging her or whatever. Um, Poverty walks in and goes, well, I guess you guys are feeling good, nice and safe. And Phaedra says in her confessional that she's starting to think that poverty is making herself look more suspicious, like because she's being so icy and being so like just like which I I see both sides. Like I think poverty, like you said, needed to play a little bit more offensively and mm-hmm. like has the capital in which to do that in a way because she is such a target at this point. Mm-hmm. But I also understand Phaedra's point where it's like you're 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 increasing your target as well in that regard. Yeah. I, I love how when, literally they go to the turret and uh, later and Phaedra is like, you have to stop squinting at people. Oh, we'll get to <laughs> <It's> it. Like... <laughs> we'll get to it. It's great. MJ. Uh, uh, so they're all in another, in the billiards room, I think. And Trishel walks in and MJ goes, did you talk to CT? And Trishel goes, he didn't want to talk to me. Phaedra goes, he didn't? And Trishel goes, I don't know. He didn't talk to me. This is so Trishel. It's like, like. If you wanted to talk to him, you needed to say something. He cannot read your mind. Yeah. It's like, well, why he clearly didn't want to talk to me. So whatever. CT then comes in and they're, and uh, the other ladies leave to talk alone. And Trishel goes, I didn't want to force you to talk if you didn't want to. And CT goes, of course I want to talk. And Trishel goes, well, then why didn't you just come and grab me? Like, <laughs> why didn't you? Mm. Gets, this is the shit that I can't stand. Yeah. Like, stop playing games with people. If you want something, ask for it. If you don't want something, you are not forced to do anything. If someone approaches you and says, hey, I want to talk, all you have to do is say, actually, I'd like not to. Right. And then it's done. But this is the emotional stuff that, like, clearly Trishel has done, like, inside and outside reality television. Yeah. Uh, she's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just hurt. She goes... Like, if someone lit my fire, I was going to give it to you. And and CT goes, I trust you. And she goes, well, then why didn't you not value me enough to keep me? Is it because you think John's smarter? It was like they were arguing like a couple. It it was like, like, it's like CT found a new girlfriend. And they're in like a rom-com or something. And she's just like, well, did you, I mean, is it because she's smarter and prettier than me? Like, talking about like John, this like (laughs) older British politician. It's so weird. It's so wild wild yeah but they like ct's trying to be there for her and like you know whatever (laughs) 
It's, it, I just couldn't take it seriously. Um, they end up, uh, they all go to bed, and then so we go to the turret with Phaedra and Poverty. Phaedra's like, I was worried about you, but you got to stop acting like an ice princess. Poverty goes, like an ice princess? And she goes, yeah, you give this like mean girl a little bit because you're like, and then she does the Poverty face <laughs> that everyone has been memeing. <laughs> like the fact that she knew before all the episodes there that this she's is a gonna... veteran. She knows what the fuck she's talking about. She knows what's memeable. And of course, Poverty's reaction to that is it's the, the squint. Yeah, it's like it's. <laughs> she's like, I need to keep an eye on Vader at this point because, like, she just needs glasses. <laughs> really, at this point, um, it seems that when they narrow things down between the four that are available for murder, they it seems like it's going to be between Trishel and MJ. They're kind of in between two, and they make fair arguments for both, like Trishel being part of the Peter Pals, wanting to take out that number. But Poverty's like, you know, MJ is never going to be put up for banishment. Like, she's not going to, no one's going to think she's a traitor, and, yeah. and the target's going to be on her, so we can't really use her as a shield in that regard. So, would it be better than to just murder her? Maybe later, but MJ's also not gunning for anyone. Yeah, She's not a danger. Yeah, I think, like, MJ's not... I would honestly think it would be better to it's take out... It's a no gain. Like, it, what are you gaining from this? Yeah, it would be better maybe to take out Kate. Really? I, now that I think about it, you could make an argument for all four. I think now, like... This is what I like about this game. Yeah. You can make arguments in multiple different directions that all make sense, right? There's no yeah. real right answer... Except there was no way that inviting Peter to be a traitor was the right answer. Sure. I mean, uh, no. There was also no world in which targeting Bergy when Peter was over there claiming privately to have a shield and everyone knew it was a lie. Was the right answer. Was the right answer. There were some definite wrong answers. Sure. But... There's not necessarily one right answer. But in terms of general strategy, right? Like, right. There's, a, there's you know, an argument in many ways, which I like. Um, yeah. So we leave on that cliffhanger of who they're going to kill. And that was the traders for this week. Like I said, really good episode. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we are doing a little bit of a reality recap of all the things in the news. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 
100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. You know, we've heard Candy's bags are packed, but is that making room for frickin' frack to come back? Let's talk reality recap. I love that intro. That was great. Yeah, so we had, because Potomac and Mary DeMedison aren't on this week because of the football. Which Soup Spoon? Soup Spoon. Is that what it's called? We actually watched it this year. It was pretty good. Uh, uh, also, we watched it on Nickelodeon, which is the way to do it, because the whole, like, SpongeBob cast was there. <laughs> Fabulous. Really good stuff. Sandy the squirrel was doing interviews. In her helmet when she was on land, and I'm still mad about it because that is like contextual <laughs> malpractice. Um, but besides that, um, so because of that, we had a kind of a light week scheduling wise. So we kind of wanted to take the time to sort of talk about, we don't get to talk a lot about, about like news and stuff that's sort of happening in the, the reality. Hot goss. The hot goss that's happening in the reality space, um, you know in the meantime in the interim between shows and mm-hmm. before shows are filming and all that stuff and there was a lot that happened this week so there was uh first of all the one i already mentioned candy is out of atlanta season 16 yeah drop that just like at, i think it was at the grammys like red carpet yeah. she's like yeah i'm not returning um which was like crazy like absolutely wild like, but, you know, honestly she's got so much shit going on and bravo's been dragging their feet on the casting so it Good seems for her to take her future in her own hands. Yeah, and it seems like it's like finally finalized. Like Kenya, I've seen doing interviews where the, she's basically like, it should be pretty soon that everything's fully finalized. So we know Portia is back. Yeah, Port. They made the announcement uh, that Portia is also Portia not only coming back, but in the deal is also doing like some scripted stuff with like NBC Universal, like mm-hmm. linked into it, which I thought was interesting. Um, I thought for her for getting her bag. Yeah. I think that's the right decision in the sense that like, from my understanding, like Candy's like contract was probably one of the highest paid contracts on Bravo right now. But we know Portia didn't come back cheap. No, but like, I'm sure a lot of that went to like getting Portia back. Like, I think Portia is definitely needed. I think like it's, I, I'm interested to see that Kenya was very open to the idea of Portia coming back. If you listen to like some interviews that she's done lately, being like, I think it'd be a great addition to the show. You can tell she had, you can tell she has a respect for Portia, and I and I've always liked that about Kenya, that she understands the game, quote unquote, yeah, and knows they made great television. Well, Kenya, Kenya, in recent years has always had this mind of putting the show first. Yeah. Because she realizes that she's part of a cast and she's not just an individual with her own motivations. And, like, she is that too. But, like, listen to her interviews and, like, things with... um, uh, Who's the guy that she did? Carlos King. Carlos King. Like, that interview was so great. And, like, just to hear how her mind is thinking about all the things, all these things. And people don't give her enough credit for 
how much she really does put into making that show successful. Yeah. And I think like Portia, here's my thing though with Portia. The one thing like I will say, she better show uh-huh. a lot. Cause I think that was one of the struggles with her spinoff and with like her last season of Atlanta was that she was covering up a lot of stuff and yeah. like sort of like wanting to only show the best parts of things. And we know that it's not fully. <laughs> she failed on her spinoff because she still came out looking like a villain. <laughs> right. But, but that also goes to what Kenya has been saying in a lot of the interviews. Like she's been making an emphasis of like, we need girls that are just going to show their honest lives yeah. and put all that stuff out there. And I think like, you know, if Kenya sees that in Portia, I think, I think Portia has a, a potential for that yeah. more than anything. Um, I definitely wonder how Marlo is feeling because Marlo can't be too happy. There's been no confirmation about her coming back. Um, um, Sonia seems to be out. Sonia seems to be out. She took RHOA out of her bio on Instagram. So that's confirmed. I think that makes sense. I don't, I don't. I was more interested in her getting a third season than I was interested in her getting a second season. I'm fine with neither. <laughs> well, but you know what I mean? Like with yeah. her, like, like the whole baby thing and sure. like the drama with her family, there was more potential for her story moving forward after season two than I saw after season one. Yeah. Uh, there's rumor of maybe Phaedra coming back. Phaedra said in an interview that like there were talks, implying that like that has been a talk, like, which I think is fascinating. Like, I, when Kenya was talking, when the name of Phaedra got brought up in some of these interviews, Kenya's like, yeah, that could be interesting. But she, de- not in this, she definitely doesn't maybe have the same respect for Phaedra as she does Portia, but doesn't rule out working with her necessarily. Yeah. Like, she, she definitely made a shady comment of like, yeah, what we're seeing on the traders now, like, that's Phaedra. She definitely is a trader. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's her true self. Like, which, Yeah. But um, I think there could be a realm for her back. I also think it's much better idea to keep Phaedra on Married to Medicine and I like, agree. bring in some of these ousted Married to Medicine girls like bring Quad. in Mariah. Or Quad, if Quad's not going to return. True. Right? Like, I'd be fine with Quad too, but Mariah needs to be back on our television screens. Yeah. Period. End of story. I, I don't know how we get her there, but she needs to be there. Right. Kenya definitely ruled out um, Kim Zolciak, which yeah, I think no. is I think is the right choice because uh-huh. it's just it's too it's just sad the stuff with Croy like yeah. it it the all the new like body cam footage and stuff like that. And the, she's too thirsty. She would come back with the same energy that Marlo has had right. since getting her peach, which is that she still feels like she's trying to earn a peach. But it's just like, girl, you have a peach. I I also would argue, and like I think people should be open to this, the concept of bringing Cynthia back. I would be whether, fine with whether, it, but I don't know that she's. But I mean, who knows? My thing is that, like, I think Cynthia leaving was a big hit to the show that a lot I of people agree. don't realize because I think people underestimated the role that she played. Yeah, because it was a very necessary role. I'm I'm open to having Sheree back. If Sheree is not in the role that she is currently in. Right. Because because she's kind of having to fill the Cynthia role and that's not working. Well, it's not Sheree. You can't be the bone carrier when you're also the peacemaker. You can't. But also you can't be so out of touch and just like, and then be sort of like the moral clarity. Like it's my thing. Like that wasn't working the last couple seasons. And so, but I do think there's a role for Sheree on the show. Cause I think she is great co- comedic relief. I think it's just, she's never, she should have never been the face. 
Yeah. And that's kind of the issue. What do you think is going to happen with Drew? I think Drew should come back, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think either. there's I think there's a lot on the table with Drew that is has great potential, but like I I it, it definitely seems like they're trying to go in a new direction. Kenya was making it seem that it's going to be half and half, half and about, half. Yeah, cuz it was the the energy that I got was it's going to echo the the reboot of Miami. Yeah. Which was half new girls, half returning. Or the first reboot of Roni, the first time. Right. Like with Aviva and Carol and all right. that. Like, well, I mean, they did, they did that on, um, they've done that before on Atlanta, even. They did yeah. that. Uh, Atlanta was the first one that they did that to. Um, and New York had it. Um, New Jersey did that one year. Beverly Hills has done that. Like everybody's had that sort of soft reboot before. Yeah. I think it's necessary. I think so too. I do think there also needs to be a new production company. Oh yeah. No, truly original needs to be truly kicked to the curb. Yeah. But we've made that clear on the show before. Um, let's, so that's kind of in the Atlanta stuff. I'm hopeful. I, I, I'm, I'm more excited than I was like at the end of last season. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like, I know I've said it a thousand times, like just in the last five seconds, but honestly, cast mariah <laughs> like whether her and kenya go head to head which can you imagine that feud yeah it'll be great wild but also can you imagine them on the same side that's also wild i don't think either they, way i'm here for it i think they would be enemies i don't think i'm they could sure be they would because mariah fills the role that phaedra would have filled yeah because they have a similar, her um, quad, Mariah and Phaedra kind of fill a similar role, right? You know what I mean? That I'm better than you. I know it. Everyone around us knows it, and it's time that you got on board. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you need that energy on Atlanta. You really need it. Yeah. Um. Let's go into some of the other news. This came, coming out. Um, a couple of days ago. Oh, oh my gosh! The the Bodito back. The fact that I haven't said that name in a good while, and like, I've, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing it a lot in Sweet the new baby series. Jesus, of not Bodito. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. So Bodito is being sued, and also not only that, but Louis as well. Um, this came out from the Daily Beast that uh, it's, I'll, I'll just read it verbatim. Deedle, attorney Danielle Rosenberg, and Louis Ruhelas, the husband of the Real Housewives of New Jersey star Teresa Judice, were all named as defendants in a lawsuit obtained by the Daily Beast filed Monday night that alleges that Deedle and his co-conspirators, quote, began to access the computers and internet drive folders of plaintiffs in their capacity as a law firm with intent to disseminate information that would aid Ruhelas' harassment and abuse against a previous romantic partner. And so, yes, the, the this also involves Louis X in a way, which I I had kind of got lulled into a false sense of security that like there was a lawsuit I believe involving Louis X where he came out on top and things. So I was like, well, maybe there is kind of like a something maybe, happening. I don't know. It, it, the problem is, is that with Jersey, all of like you can't trust anything that you're seeing shared or tweeted because everything is partisan nothing like nobody is objective about anything when it comes to new jersey that's the cast members that's any of the fans that's anybody covering anything 
it's just exhausting. I I don't know how to even wade back into those waters. Um, <laughs> we'll see when it airs. Uh, but I'm not necessarily looking forward to that. No. Um, they cite the, the woman, uh, Vanessa uh, Riser, who is uh, Louis' ex-fiance. It says, and a R-H-O-N-J. Oh, my God. I can't even. That, that, no one, it, it's Real Housewives of New Jersey. It's not, you yeah. can't do an anagram there. Uh, a, and a cast member. But I think that's, they're misstating that the, the ex-fiance is a cast member. Unless they're talking about Margaret. But they're saying that they filed a restraining order against Louie. I don't think that's accurate because I don't think Margaret can file a restraining order against Louie if they're on the seasons together. Who knows? I mean, technically, Louie's not a cast member. No, but, like, with the way that the cast events work out, I think that would be too much of an issue. I mean... Would it? Because I mean, they they've apparently spent this whole season... Split into this cast. Well, but what does that mean? Like, like we're seeing with like Vanderpump right now a lot. Like the sort of like having such an issue where it's like one person will not film with another person, and so they're. But see, whatever. that's not even happening. Well, it's not that someone won't film with somebody, but they won't interact with them. They won't right. sort of like be in the same. Like there is a distance, right? Right. At, the, at least at the point in which we're seeing. So, like, I don't know what. Like we kept seeing. Like it seems that like the implication is that like yeah, there's like basically two groups and they're filming separately, seemingly. Which I'm like, I don't know how that wor- is going to work on Jersey this season. Like, but I think it's so interesting with this. I mean, Margaret essentially accused him of stalking, like or like sending the threatening phone messages to her son or whatever at his work and stuff like that. Right. All that stuff was coming out, and it's like, yeah, how do you film with that person? Like, how do you go? Like, yeah. you can't do a cast trip. You can't do like a you know. Well, and who it was one of the new girls last season. Her husband. Was oh, like, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel's husband was like, dude, like, what are you doing? Well, like confronted him at the reunion privately after, you know, between takes, but it was still on camera. You know how they do. Right. Um, but it's like, I, I don't even remember what it was he was accusing him of doing, but it was, it was like, Louis been like allegedly coming after everyone on the other side of the cast. And it's apparently all through this Bodito guy. Right. Who was also wrapped up in like. Can Trump we, and like all of that yeah, shit. Steve Bannon and like all the all the craziest right wing people imaginable. But like, can we talk about also like the fact that this lawsuit is emerging and how crazy it is that like Louis just said this last season, like just like just said it on camera, mic'd up, like it was nothing. And then I recently rewatched when this article came out the scene in which like Andy asked them about it on Watch What Happens Live, and they backtrack. Be like, mm-hmm. oh, he made it up. And it, I'm sorry, Teresa is a terrible liar. She's really bad at it. Yeah. Do you think we would have the money for that? Do you th- it's like, oh my, it's he, I allegedly, he definitely did this. <laughs> allegedly, yeah. definitely. Um, but like, no, it's, it's not great. Um, reading more into the article, uh, it's quoted as uh, saying, this is an attorney who uh, is a plaintiff in the suit, said, I received accidentally what I perceived to be an illegal email between Bodito's office and Danielle Rosenberg that I sent, then sent to Vanessa a little time after discovering it, after having conversations with some women in my life and doing legal research into the ethics of what Rosenberg and Deedle were doing. In that email were the recordings that have already been reported of a private investigator spying 
spying on Vanessa. There were transcripts and recordings of those things happening. Rosenberg committed ethic violations and they broke the law in, in New Jersey. What Louis did and what Bo Deedle did and what Danielle Rosenberg did is sending a private investigator to spy on Vanessa was illegal and unethical. So like literally these are like, I, I mean, this rival, I will say, I do think if this like comes out, I don't know what comes out during filming, right? Cause this right. is like, like filming's already wrapped like months ago on Jersey. Like, is this going to be treated with the same seriousness as the Monica, uh, the reality Von T stuff? I think it should. I think it should be more so because this is actual illegal activity. Right. Well, but I mean, even like the stalking stuff that came out with Monica, right? Sure. Like that, I think like. You got, like it's got to be treated similarly in that regard. Like, you know, I don't. I think there is a a rightful place for some of the women on the cast to say, like, I don't want to be, you know, go about my life possibly being stalked. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And like, didn't Melissa and Rachel say at the reunion that like they were at a dinner once and like Bo Deedle was like at a yeah. table? So it's like this is like this. It's scary. It's really really fucking scary. Um. It's also Jersey. Like, it's, it's getting mob wives it's, in here. It's literally turning into mob wives. Like, holy shit. But, like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated with the season. I will say this. I hate that. Bravo does this to me every time. I, I'm so, like, over a show, and I'm just like, this sucks. And I'm like, I don't want to watch anymore. And then by the time, like, <laughs> it's about to air, I'm just like, well, I want to see the Jackie stuff. And I want to see if there's any of this Bo Deedle fucking shit that comes to the service. So, like. I mean. I want to see if that happens, too, but I don't necessarily want to have to watch the show to do it. <laughs> yeah. But we will, and we will be here reporting on it every second of the way. We'll save all of you. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, just listen to us. We'll we'll recap it. Yeah. Uh, do we also want to talk about the news that came out today? Oh. In about, People. About the fact that Apollo apparently shows up at the Married to Medicine reunion. Which is fascinating to me. Which, but, like... And also, that it's not just coming out of people. Heavenly retweeted that article and said, well, I guess it's out. And Toya also retweeted. So, I mean, it's confirmed. Yeah. I w- I'm fascinated by that because there was definitely had to be coordination with Bravo. And, like, I wonder, I mean, part of me is upset because, like, I feel like they might have been worried that there wasn't going to be enough good stuff at this Married to Medicine reunion, which I don't think is the case. I think, like, I I think they're underestimating it in many regards. Sure, but I think really what it is is that we really never got that post-breakup Phaedra Apollo showdown. But then that, that leads to a great question, which is, like, why did we not get this on the season? Why why is he showing up at the reunion at this point? Like, what, like, we were kind of theorizing at, like, the birthday party for Aiden that they showed, like, why he wasn't there, why he wasn't on camera. If well, I mean, were... Toya talked about it on camera. Right. Like, is he inside? Right. Like, was it, like, him trying to, like, not... Because he, he's not with Phaedra. Like, they have, a co- right. they have a co-parenting relationship, and so, you know, there's that. But, like, him and Phaedra don't necessarily need to be on screen together. And right. I understand that. So, one thing that it could be is that Bravo wanted to sit down with Apollo separately and right. talk to him about everything that's happened over the last however many years. Um. It could also be that Apollo changed his mind between the filming of the season and the filming of the reunion. Right. As to whether he was willing to be on screen. Uh, you know, 
multiple things could have happened, and I guess we'll find out at the reunion. Yeah, I'm excited. But I'm excited to hear from him again. I think it's going to be a big moment seeing them on stage together. Yeah. Because, like, when you see, like, the flashbacks and you see all the sort of, like, the stuff that we've witnessed, I mean, you know, both the good and the bad stuff of it. It's like, yeah, that is a very vital relationship that we never really got closure on as an audience. And and that sounds weird to say where it's, yeah. like, it's not on us to get closure. But it's, like, that I think I'm very interested to see. Yeah, I also am uh, looking forward to the um, reveal of Dr. CT as (laughs) Phaedra's boyfriend. (laughs) Please, if he shows up. (laughs) Yeah, there was also, I mean, talking about relationships in relation to traitors, there was also the Larsa Marcus Jordan stuff. We're going to get into that more on our episode that's going to come out on Saturday because we'll be talking about Miami. And so we'll, we'll dive into it more there. But that's also been highly entertaining to watch online uh yeah something else fascinating but then oh let's cap things off so we we did want to also talk a little bit of the extra like sort of drag race world stuff that's been happening um uk versus the world started last week season two we have we're not covering it week by week because it's just there's too much on our plate right now it's honestly there's way too much things but we are watching it um and i really liked it i think i like these uk or like versus the world stuff where it's like it's an all-stars for people that it's a little like there's not the stakes of all stars in the sense right. that like you need high level people, right? You can throw some people that were like maybe middle of the pack of their season mm-hmm. or, but that are still like good, interesting Queens that you can like throw in the mix. And like, I I just love also how diversified particularly this season is like you really, I think there's like seven or eight like different franchises that are like somewhat represented. Let's see. Uh, we have Espana, we have UK, we have down under, we have Holland, France, philippines and u.s yeah so there's like there's a lot seven and like i i I saw a tweet which is like yes you need to free up the thailand girls i understand like whenever they're going to do a new season of thailand i don't know yeah but like free up those thailand girls because they're amazing yeah um it is kind of harder because they definitely picked the English-speaking ones. Like, like, like sure. I think Arancha Casilla-La Mancha said at one point during her Meet the Queens, like, well, they picked the one that could speak English, so. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, so we get the intros for everybody, and then Raven comes out teasing again, Raven being, I think they need to put her on Canada versus the world. So she's not judged by Rue. So Paul. that she's not judged by Rue, who was her direct boss, right? Because she does Rue's makeup. Right. So... I think they need to put her because we need to see her back on our screens and back in the workroom, right? She's too damn good to just be behind the scenes all the time. So, yes, absolutely, we need that. Um, But then we also need to get Brooklyn on one of these seasons. Right. Because she never got an All-Stars run. Yeah. Aren't they also supposed to be doing like a global All-Star? I don't know what the... Yeah, global All-Stars is supposed to come on when this season of Drag Race ends. Oh, my God. Like, so much. Like, I don't... And also, I don't know what the difference necessarily is other than maybe it's going to be like... Again, queens of a certain level from other franchises. Like, here you have... They have to have translators, right? I got to imagine. Because then it's just versus the world. Right. I mean, like, I think you need to factor in translation. I think you need to fact. I, I think, like, I, but also, I, don't, I also don't think a person's language should necessarily limit them in terms of, like, you know, because drag is drag to a certain extent, right? right? I understand with, like, acting challenges, it's harder. Oh, but that like, is going to be hard. 
but still, like, I, it's you know, yeah. I think it's I think it's part of the game that they get, can figure out because there's a lot of great fucking queens. I was happy, like, like also with like the queens from this uh, season. I was happy because I've heard some great things. We don't. We only because we're dumb Americans. Um, we only watch the English speaking mm-hmm. versions of Drag Race for the most part. So anything that's outside of a different language, we don't watch. But I hear, I hear, Espana is amazing. I yeah. hear France is amazing. Espana is getting its own all stars. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they've got to be doing something right. Right. So, it was, like, good to see some of them, like, in the mix. Like, I I, I fell in love this episode with La Grande Dame. I find oh, her yeah. so, one, strikingly beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the most beautiful queens in Drag Race history. And has such a, like, a quiet presence. Like, she's not very, like, overly loud or, like, whatever, but she has a confidence about her that I think mm-hmm. is so, like, to, like, for lack of a better term, sexy. Something about her reminds me of, like, um, a... Is it... Kate uh, Blanchett. Yes! It's very that air. Mm-hmm. And she kind of almost looks like her, too, a little bit in that realm, right? Um, but really, the one that I'm most impressed with is um, probably Keta Minaj. Not just because she's traded the season. <laughs> Very much so. But, um, like, I just, I fucking love her drag. Because she does that, um, she doesn't do the quiet powerful that Le Grand Dame does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does that, fuck you, I'm in charge drag. Which I find incredibly sexy and incredibly right. powerful. Um, like that's the sort of drag that I'm drawn to. Is the HBIC drag? Yeah, like that's just her. Um, and so I just I really 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 enjoy her. Also, Gothy Kendall has not learned to walk a runway. Oh my god, she's, she's so stiff. <laughs> she's so underconfident. When she did her fire talent, and then at the end of it, go, oh, I did that. Cool. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? But I thought it was, I liked the mix of the UK girls. I also love that they just basically acknowledged, they were like, yeah, like none of us have a badge, by the way. We've never like had a badge on our seasons. Like, no, no, no. They had one. Uh, oh, Teresa. Well, Teresa had one from a girl group challenge. And she was like. In, Irrelevant. But, it it, was, but it's also the one girl that's not from the UK. She's just on UK. Right. But it's not like the most impressive, quote unquote, like. UK girls, right. which I which I liked. Um, I I missed Tia Coffee. I think she's like, love Tia. Very hilarious. Her self deprecating humor is like done so well in a way that's just like it's not. It's genuine, genuinely funny. And, yeah, and I think that's hard to come by. In I was ways. kind of sad to not see Tace on this. No, but I'm kind of hoping that she's going to be in Global All Stars, right? Because Tace, I think, has been one of my favorites to come out of UK. Yeah. Like, she's just, she's so fucking good. She needs to be on something. We need more of her. Yeah. I would, but I also think, like, the front runners this season, I find it interesting that they're all from, like, these, like, different international Mm -hmm. franchise. I feel, because I feel like it's definitely La Grande Dame. I would say, I I, I would put, I think Keta has a large potential to be that way. But then also, Marina Summers is, like... I hear great things about her time on Philippines. Like, I think, like, she... Well, and I think Philippines is also an English-speaking... Most like that's, most of them speak English, Most yeah. Most people in the Philippines speak English, mainly because, I think, wasn't it colonized by the UK at one point? Probably. 
Who knows? The, the they UK, do. A, they do a lot of that. They've colonized a lot of places. You <laughs> know, it, it was because she did that in her entrance line. Remember, she was like, "Time to sit, serve these colonizers." Uh, <laughs> but I, but I know that they were also colonized by the Spanish, which is why they have a lot of Spanish heritage in their um, in their culture in the Philippines, yeah. as well as being AAPI. Mm-hmm. Can we quickly talk about the best part of this first episode, which was Mayhem Miller Stalin's show and how... Jesus fucking Christ Mayhem. <laughs> I love Mayhem. Real- I've settled on the fact that I really love Mayhem, and even if she's not going to ever do good on Drag Race, like... I. What's frustrating is that it's this one challenge, right? Yeah. If she could get past this fucking talent show, if she can remember she can her eat lines. the rest of these bitches up, I think. Yeah. Because she's so cunty on the runway. Yeah. Her looks are always next level. She's amazing in an acting challenge and a dancing challenge. She's so good at those things, right? Right. She just can't get past this. But I also, I love that she doesn't beat herself up over the fact yeah. that she completely bombed this and forgot all of her uh, her lines in this, like, namaste sort of, like, I wish she had thing. gone with it. Like, when she oh, said... Oh, of course. When she, like, was like, well, fuck, or whatever it was that she said. I wish she had just turned that into, like, a PSA of fucking up at a... Because that would have played off of her fucking up in the talent show last time she was on All Stars. So I just, I think that would have been funny. Yeah. Like, if that had been planned, and I thought that's where she was going with it. I thought, I thought she was going to go, have you ever fucked up at an All Stars challenge? Yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> you know, it's something. But I, uh. Yeah. Poor Mayhem. But honestly, I thought it was a really fun cast and sort of like a good, like, like to me, like, this is a great first start for this season that, like, of a, of a type of show that hasn't been tested enough, I feel, in this whole versus the world stuff. Like, they, the first UK one was a little hit or miss, like, in yeah. terms of, you know, stuff. And, and it, when it hit, it hit hard. Oh, yeah. Because there was some drama on that season. Pangina felt it real hard. I mean, so did Jimbo. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm hopeful because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. excited to watch it and see how it, how it progresses. Um, yeah. That's our thoughts on sort of everything that we've been uh, watching and keeping up with lately. Um, if there's anything that you guys want us to bring up or talk about on the show uh, going forward, send us a message uh, on social media or gamesmb at gmail.com and uh, we may talk about it on a future episode. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got Drag Race, we got Traders, and we have the reality world at large. Lots of things to choose from today. Um, I'll start with my bottom for this week. I'm I'm in the same boat that you've been the last couple of weeks. I'm going to give it a plain Jane. Um, not because of her, even only because I don't. It's it, this was the only, first episode. I was like, oh wow, you're praising her for literally nothing. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's more the judges than it is plain yeah. Jane. More than anything. Yeah. Um, because it's like, this is fine. Like it's, it's just exhausting, is what it is. Yeah, it's like why? It's the epitome of like what you see online, where it's like, wow, you find one white drag queen with like the, a good enough beat, and you think they were like so groundbreaking. Like I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, my top is also going to be from Drag Race, though. I'm going to get my top to La Roach. Okay. Only because, like, it was so different than what we've been seeing lately with the Drag Race judging, and I think it was so necessary. Like, ju- again, you can be shady and fun and come, f- but you can have an authority about it where people aren't going to 
be so upset with you over it. Like nobody cared that she he made that comment about Geneva's legs and stuff like that because he has a reputation that precedes himself to where he can say something and and like even Geneva laughed it off. That tells you like why he is perfect for that role to be the hard ass, right? Because he has the ability to do it and you need that role. It has to be there, I feel. I think not again, not to be like all like, you know, uh, trigger warning, but like, I feel like we've gone soft a little bit in reality TV. In a little bit, yeah. Times. And I think like you need some harshness every now and then. So I'm I'm glad Law Roach brought that, and I I am all for the campaign to make him a permanent uh, judge. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, I I really thought hard about who to pick as the bottom here. At, at the end of the day, I had to pick the person who did the most egregiously bad. It was Gothy. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it's just the walk, right? Like, you had time to work on your walk between leaving Drag Race the first time and coming back. And you've done everything but that. You've done music stuff. You've got, I think you've got an OnlyFans out there. And you couldn't walk down the hallway a couple times just to kind of work. Like, watch a video of Naomi Campbell. Yeah. Or it doesn't even have to be Naomi. It can be any professional model, right? A video. Watch an episode of America's Next Top Model. There's some good representations of that. You know what I mean? There's, there's options here project runway has great models there there are places for you to view how to walk yeah when she was when she said in the intro of like i came into this season more confident i was like bitch where this is you confident (laughs) like (laughs) i i just it it's egregious to me yeah um my top is going to be split because i can't make up my mind on anything these days um, my top first is going to go, um, I think this is really more of an honorable mention to Sandra. I just really love to see her activated. She's mm. finally here. She has arrived. Um, and I, I just, I love to see the way that her brain works because it's always different than everyone else's. Yeah. It always brings a new angle to whatever the discussion is. And I really loved seeing her at play this week. Um, But my real top is going to go to Parvati because I think also she was activated this week and she started on the, on the offense instead of the defense. And it was inspiring to watch. I like, this is Parvati doing what she does best. And I, I, this, this, cause I had up to this point been going, yay, Parvati. We love Par- Parvati. Is Parvati in the room with us? Is she coming? Mm-hmm. Is she showing up? The- oh, here she is. Oh, hello. Yeah. Wonderful. Fabulous. She's here now. Love it. We miss like, you, Queen. We, we do. We miss you, Queen, but we're glad that you're here and we're glad that you've actually started to play this game. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms.
Ivers. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.